0: It's honestly totally. nice, like the the thing the out that I've been like giving myself at the end of these is like I say I need a little break after we like finish it, and I'm like I need some levity, and then we just riff or like a post roll where we just yes wail about nothing. We just
1: we just chitty chat, yeah. Uh, honestly, we it's our like decompression hour. Yes,
0: love that creep time decompression hour. <gasps> Creep time aftermath.
1: (laughs) It's Creep. Oh, my God. Honestly, the debris,
0: (laughs) the debris with Silas and Stu. Oh,
1: my God. The debris debrief. Something. There's something there.
0: They're definitely I I like the debrief. I like that. I like I like putting it in a place like the evidence locker.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that.
0: (laughs) Where it's like post episode. We just chat about nothing. Like, yeah, there is isn't what, what did you say the day? Oh, creep time like, chatter. Creep time.
1: I love it. I love it.
0: Something with like alliteration like that could be fun.
1: Yeah, I should I think it's got to be banter. This, it? It,
0: it's just straight I'll banter. Get another one, <laughs> honey, honey.
1: <laughs> get another one. I'm gonna be the sober one this time.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm not sitting I'll right crack. beside me.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna get a drink for our after hours because I'm gonna need it after this. Oh. But oh my god.
0: I'm so excited for what you got ready. I have I, I have, know that you're gonna turn it out. <laughs> I know it's gonna be so good.
1: Oh God. I'm gonna try not to overpromise under deliver, but I do just want to say to the creepers, thank you so much for your patience with our season finale. Oh my god, um, thank you guys. Yeah, they've been so sweet um about letting it. Letting it ride the last week, waiting patiently. They they were Um, very
0: patient. It's true. And they got a little teleportation episode with Scott.
1: They did. Got some New York City background sounds. (laughs) Scott is so damn funny. He really is. (laughs) (laughs) He just like doesn't give one F. The New York City sounds, in the background, he just was, he was loving it. I think
0: it's because he doesn't know very much about, because he doesn't listen to true crime. That's the funniest thing, having somebody on to, like, listen to, like, a mystery case who doesn't listen to the actual podcast. But I love Scott. Like, he's one of my best friends. So having him on, I'm just like, I don't think he actually understands, like, creepers. And, like, there's, like, a following, you know what I mean? So he just thinks it's, like, him and I, like, chatting and forgets about what we're talking, like, what we're doing it for. But it sounds really funny when you listen back to it. He's the best though. He
1: is the best.
0: Oh my god. For him to do a podcast from New York, that's tough. That's hard.
1: Tough. Without that, I don't like I don't even know what his like equipment setup was like.
0: He just had a Yeti but, mic. It sounds so good for a Yeti. I was like, "Whoa."
1: I was going to say, "Yeah, whatever he had, it really wasn't that bad with the background."
0: Well, he's got a, he's got like a a little voiceover career, so he he's got that like booming okay. quality to his voice.
1: Yeah kind of like me but exactly you know, like you <laughs> in fact you're his deeper is rich and not cackling
0: <laughs> you do not have a cackling voice as who told you that oh i do <laughs> I, I I'd be I'd my say, whole life i've <laughs> a I cackle
1: i definitely cackle if i like gutturally feel like something is funny in my soul i'm proud of my cackle
0: that's true i like the word cackle only because it's witchy yeah it's very like yeah hocus pocus
1: Oh my god! Wait, are they filming a third one right now?
0: You sent me that, didn't you? They're doing that, right? Or was that fake? Was that fake either news? I
1: sent it or maybe I was asking you to corroborate if it was
2: really
0: not? Because <laughs> I'm on the ground floor. <laughs> I'm on. Literally. Set.
1: <laughs> I know you're always on the ground with Hocus Pocus.
0: Ugh, I I would love to see a third, even if I didn't really like the second. Um, but I've been watching, and just like that again. I know we talked about this last time, but. Yeah. I can't stop. I think I'm at the end of it. I
1: can't stop either.
0: I'm.
1: Sucked. It's gotten better. I will say it's gotten better.
0: <sighs> I I keep doing some mouthwash with Sex and the City after, like immediately after I plow through like six episodes of Sex and the City. Sex and the City is just so good. I love. Yeah. it. Did you've never seen it? Have you?
1: Oh my god! Yes. You have watched seen it. it religiously. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Who am I thinking of? Who hasn't seen it? Trixie Mattel. Not you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Same, same makeup, but <laughs> same face. I was, I Just listened to their person. podcast,
0: The Bald and the Beautiful with Trixie and Katya, yeah. which is so funny. And they're so funny. Uh, th- They said something I was going to ask you about. Have you heard about this? In Forrest Gump, what do you think Jenny, Jenny, what do you think she died from?
1: Okay, I have to come clean about something. I have never seen Forrest Gump all the way through. Thank you guys so much for joining us on Creep
0: Time, the podcast. (laughs) Forrest Gump, Titanic, two of the most sacrilege movies to avoid. (laughs) When you come here, I'm making you watch Titanic. I'm sitting you down in a straight jacket, making you watch Titanic. Are you joking?
1: You've never seen Forrest Gump all through? I've never seen all the way through. I don't think. Um, okay.
0: That's, that one's a little more forgiver- forgivable, I would say, as opposed to Titanic. Titanic's like, what, what are we doing?
1: I know, but Titanic was a traumatic, it was a traumatic thing. It wasn't because I'm, I, I want to go back and watch it, but.
0: You were, you were traumatized? Of people
1: dying just traumatized me.
0: That's 30 seconds. Not even. 15. I
1: know. I know.
0: Hey, listen, they were first class passengers too. They had a lifeboat. They opted not to get into the lifeboat. That's on them.
1: That's so sad. I know.
0: <laughs> I just make you cry.
1: <laughs> I'm literally about to be in tears what, now. What, I'm going to launch What about this. old
0: Rose? Like the old woman who's like tell, narrating, telling the story.
1: couldn't tell you. Because I, I mean, I, I definitely know what she looks like. And I remember those scenes. But when I tell you, I walked in on my family i think my older brother and my parents watching mm-hmm. like this was back when the blockbuster set was two VHSs oh i had we owned it Titanic. we
0: owned it oh yeah yeah
1: okay and um i walked in and that was the scene that was playing was they were deciding they that were
0: that gonna... is the saddest scene because it's also with like yeah. the the little quintet who's like playing that sad violin music yeah. that's really really sad i can't do it yeah <laughs> No, you have. Wait, it, okay, but anyways, wait. What sorry, did Jenny sorry, sorry. die from? Oh, Je- okay. So, my entire childhood, I thought Jenna died from cancer because I was like, she dies like super young in the movie. Sorry, spoiler. If nobody knew that, but that's her thing at the end. She goes, I'm sick, Forrest. And then she dies. And, and you, she's so young that you're like, well, she must have been sick with cancer. I found out on The Bald and the Beautiful, she had AIDS. I was like, what? no i was like how would anybody know that truthfully but then timing wise how they like chronicle their life because i think they go through like them when they're young as like teenagers or like young adults in like the 60s then the 70s when she's like on the road and then i think they like reconnect in the 80s which would have been when the aids epidemic was happening yeah. so it's somehow implied that Je- i can't stop saying her name is jenna died jenna um, also, that was not the accent he chose for the movie. I also didn't know that. The kid who played young him had that accent, that voice, and he he couldn't, like, break it, the kids, so they just made an executive decision that Tom Hanks would do that voice for the entire movie. What a pro. Adaptable. Chameleon. <laughs> anyway I'm very happy to start our final episode off by talking about aids but please <laughs> feel free to pivot to child murder if you oh
1: care. my god i did we, know did we like, even, here we go we have
0: to announce what we're doing you would do, you do it all i'm gonna sit back and drink my hanoon. am
1: i doing it all oh my god creepers welcome to our season finale, our season finale! I,
0: I wish i had a confetti <laughs> ganon <laughs>
1: Oh my god! I cannot believe. I know. I we've said we can't believe we've done our you know 40th or 45th episode or whatever. This is just so nuts. A whole plus year of doing this. Fifty with you. episodes. It's such a joy.
0: It's it's been amazing. I'm so I I don't want to repeat what I sent you in like the note because I know you haven't gotten the note yet. But I'm so grateful for you, and I I won't get like sappy or anything just yet. But oh I'm god. very very excited that we're here. We're at this kidding?
1: place. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. It's been amazing because we've just gotten to like totally reconnect as friends and just like we I mean we never lost our friendship connection but like just to like enhance it by getting to like talk to you every single week it's just been like such a joy
0: sometimes Um, murder just brings you closer scary
1: (laughs) scary stuff
0: (laughs) disappearances conspiracies somehow it's it's drawn us closer
1: and We're really bringing it home with this case. Creepers, you asked for it.
0: I don't even know if you can hear the (laughs) story. I'm like patting my chest. We're
1: we're going to be covering the murder of Jean Bene Ramsey.
0: Mm. They knew it was coming. They didn't actually. Nobody guessed it. Really? I didn't see it anywhere in the comments.
1: Oh my gosh! I know I well, put it up
0: as a thing you could vote for, but and they did yeah. vote for it. But I don't. I mean, we could have picked anything, but
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it feels it feels so heavy because, of course, like I, the weight of the season finale case. But like, as I was kind of telling you before we got on, I mean, it's just such a heavy case, and there's so much to go off of, like on the internet as far as research goes, I bet and also. It not much to go off of in terms of like the evidence so um
0: yeah. uh, that's what i do know about yeah. it they botched the hell out of this scene like and case yes
1: yes um I've, yeah so you're giving me vibes of that, like retired detective where you've like
0: you've been to war and back you're <laughs> as, as i'm saying it, honestly you're flashing like back
1: detective. <laughs> that's so funny you mentioned that because in this case and i'll get into it there were so many detectives that resigned from the case just because it was so...
0: Not from the forest, just from the the case. Just from the case.
1: Well, while they were doing, like, while they were investigating, they would end up resigning because they were just so... I think there was so much media frenzy about it. I think that, like you said, it was botched from the beginning. So I think detectives just got really... And then, of course, you know, the parents um, and their kind of evading which we'll get into but um yeah it's just it's heavy
0: I'm getting spooked already because I I know how young were you when you heard about this case because I remember how young I
1: was I mean I so when she was killed I think we were both three years old
0: were we, when um, was she killed but I
1: know 1996, 1996. yeah I was two but the coverage yeah. of it went on and on and on and on. So like all throughout the 90s into the 2000s, like the coverage was still happening.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I feel like as a as a child, I feel like I probably heard about it when I was probably like six or seven. Just like that there was this little girl and that's kind of all I knew. That's
0: kind of what I think too. When did the Lifetime movie come out? Because that was my introduction to it. Let me look that up. Oh my gosh. Have you ever seen that?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Honey, first of all, for anybody who wants to see it, it's free and it's on YouTube. It's the entire movie's on YouTube. It was uh, this says twenty sixteen, but that is not right because I saw it when I was like seven. Um, is it called? Is it just called Who well, Killed John Bonnet Ramsey?
1: Well, I, if it came out in twenty sixteen, I'll just say that was another big year for this case because it was the twentieth anniversary, so it was like this huge resurgence of like evidence being re-examined interviews like so that would make sense if it came out that year
0: there might I, there was definitely something else that came out that year but this was something else oh it's called getting away with murder the JonBenet Ramsey story yeah. I think that's what it's called no this is a doc oh my god oh wait no is this it I will find it and I will make us watch it and react to it at
1: some point well I love a lifetime movie <laughs>
0: I don't even know. It. it was just a, it was you a made for TV movie, want, but it was shocking at the time when I was a kid because they sh- it was pretty graphic for like a TV
1: movie. Yeah. OK, wait, should I launch in or should we do the intro? I feel like I have to tee it to you to do the intro. I'll forget all the admin.
0: The intro. Oh, um. <laughs> no, I'm forgetting. all the- <laughs> What I'm ill prepared. I'm like, oh. Uh. Hey, everybody. Thanks for showing up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome back, everybody, to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and our hostess who's going to lead us, Miss Stu. We're very, very excited for episode 50. Everybody, if you're here for the season finale, I'm assuming you're already following. So let's skip it all, honey. and Let's get straight into it.
1: Let's get into it.
2: We took it all. We brought them
1: to our land.
2: An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with
0: Game Pass.
1: Okay, deep breath.
0: Big, big breath. I'm going to crack another high noon.
1: Please do. Not sponsored. You don't need it. I know. <laughs> well, first of all, like I said, I am absolutely honored to be closing out our season one finale. And even more so, that you've entrusted me to cover this case the unsolved murder of six year old Jean Benet Patricia Ramsey. That name evokes such a wide range of emotion with those that live through its coverage in the media. I think for many people, it's the child pageantry that colored the case mm. in shades of, you know, just perversion and child sexualis- sexualization. I think others might hear the name Jean Binet and instantly visualize the faces of her parents, John and Patsy Ramsey, remembering the horrific notion that perhaps these two seemingly loving parents murdered their own daughter. Or maybe for some, it's the idea that after a joyous Christmas day, a home invader could come in and leave one of the most infamous ransom notes in true crime history and take the life of a sweet six-year-old girl in her uh. own home. Yeah. I polled a couple of friends and family members about the associations they make, like you and I were just kind of talking about when they hear the name Bonet all these years later. For most that I asked, it was the striking pageantry images of her and the videos that instantly came to mind. For others, it was that dreadful feeling of never having been able to trust their gut on whether the parents were involved in her murder or not. But one thing is for certain, this case remains one of the most infamous in true crime history and one that instantly conjures unsettling emotions to the point that many have Buried their memories of this infamous cold case. I think the family and friends that I pulled would have rather I not ask them actually to revisit their memories of it. So shout out to all those that did indulge me uh, and indulge all my questions while I was doing this research. Um, with that being said, there is a certain serious I want to make sure that I handle with the research of this case and uh, covering it on the podcast. And I think anytime there's a child and sexual assault and murder is involved. It's important um, that we handle it with special care. So I do just want to prepare the creepers, that this one might just feel a little bit less Gilly Hicks coded. Um, though I will reference our girl. I will reference Nancy Grace at certain points. Um, I was going like, to, she was.
0: She has a little history with this oh, No,
1: she, she was all over this and she still kind of is all over this case. I mean, I actually was surprised there wasn't a ton of, uh, like coverage of hers from the 90s like I was hoping to find more um, I think of her
0: show as like early to mid 2000s more
1: yeah yeah Because so was I she was on was CNN
0: or was she on Fox before her well CNN was her show show right
1: she was on HLN I thought
0: which was CNN first yes or sorry, that was like yes, that yes. was like pre-CNN right okay
1: yeah so I think I had thought that she was more involved like when this was actually being covered and she Definitely, like, wasn't there, like, right at the time of the murder. Um, A lot of the coverage that she had, I watched, was actually, like, her kind of being interviewed later on to, like, give her take on it, which was Oh, I don't know, that registered as, like,
0: her on the ground floor, like, in Boulder, like, with a mic.
1: No, <laughs> like, that's kind of what I was hoping for. Like, early, um, like, young
0: days, like, 20s, Nancy yeah. Grace. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we need so, a dramaturg. yes, I will get to, uh,
1: yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I will discuss kind of what Nancy pointed out in this case, because I do think she made a lot of really good points um, about it. You know, our girl Nancy can be pretty like over the top. And I actually think there's a couple of um, quotes of hers that I wanted to make mention of. Because, yeah, I think she she handles it pretty well. She's an interrogator. a prosecutor, She is, you know, prosecutor. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to like stay that up top that. I also kind of personally feel like a heaviness in my heart with this case. So I just wanted to like, you know, honor that and be respectful. And I'm curious for you, like mm-hmm. what emotions it brings up for you? Like, is it as heavy for you or like what impact did it have on you growing up?
0: You know what's so funny? We- it certainly did have an impact. I, well, like I said, I think it was one of the first times when I was a kid, when I learned about it, that I understood that kids could die. I don't think I had mm-hmm. ever thought about that. When I was like seven or eight, but it's strange because maybe there are some creepers who agree with me on this. I would say that this is the most famous true crime case, if not maybe just the most famous unsolved case in the world. It's kind of stood the test of time, maybe other than like the Black Dahlia, you know? So I think when cases become immortalized like this and there's so much extended, like prolonged media coverage people start to disassociate that there's like a real family and like a real child involved. It becomes like a story to people. And I think for a long time, that's how I thought of it. It's just like a collection of images and like the movie I had seen on TV. Like it never felt real. Did you ever feel like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, now I'm sure you
0: don't because you've, I'm sure you've seen autopsy (laughs) records and you've gone deep.
1: Well, I think for me, it was always that being a little girl myself, knowing that I didn't know the details, but I knew that something terrible had happened to this little girl who was a performer. And like, I grew up around like pageantry and stuff like that. I've never participated, but I was about to ask. Like, I, I f- was like,
0: Chef, do you ever do pageants? <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> baby, you know, my shoulders are way too broad. Please, <laughs> I was bulking at age eight. <laughs> so <it's> it not.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we set a whole tea up and we were like, we're going to handle this with this complete yeah, seriousness."
1: <laughs> We will. We will. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like I just I grew up knowing little girls that like reminded me of Jean Bonnet. So like mm. seeing the images of her was always like just super unsettling because Totally. Yeah, you feel like you kind of know her, which is weird.
0: Is I would is pageantry more of a southern
1: thing, would you say? I would I mean, I would say so. I mean, it's it's funny because um her mom was from West Virginia, Southern oh, I didn't know that. kind of background. Huh. Yeah. And her dad, I think, was also, I don't can't remember if he was actually from the South, but he lived in Georgia for a long time. It's crazy. Um, you know the
0: backstories of the
1: parents. Wow.
0: I mean, I, I guess yeah. that's extremely helpful. I'm going to let you get into it because you know you know, <laughs> so much more than I could have ever, ever researched.
1: <laughs> well, can I also say the weirdest thing about what you just said? I was watching clips of girls that she... Did pageants. <gasps> you hear that? Did he just cut it short because he knew how important this was?
0: <gasps> All right. Now that it's out of the way, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's celebrating our finale. <laughs> yes,
0: that's for the finale.
1: <laughs> okay. <Sorry. laughs> All seriousness starts here. Okay. Um, no, we'll have moments of levity for sure. Um, but I was going to say, so interesting what you just said because um, some of the girls that she grew up doing pageants with they, they just felt very similar to like what you said right up top, which is that, um, yeah, there was just like the, the feeling that they, they were so connected to her and still close to her, like years and years later, it was just kind of, I mean, obviously they had the connection doing pageants with her, but like, they still felt like they knew her all those years later. And like, Would have dreams about her. It was just very weird to watch. No, it's weird like that. The
0: imagery. I would say the imagery of it in such a morbid way is kind of iconic at this point. And I know that sounds very superficial, but there are certain like silhouettes and images that become iconically associated with a case. And when I think of this, it's kind of like what you said. I immediately gravitate and think of those pageant photos. Mm -hmm. I think of it's that. Adds a bizarre element to it.
1: Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm going to launch into it. Oh my God. Wait, can I just give you a
0: hand for that intro though? That was fabulous. (laughs) Before we get in, like that was, that was bent.
1: Oh, well, here we go. It's about to get, I'm, I'm like looking at this. I could like shake because it's just so, it's so much, Um, but let's launch into the days leading up to her murder. So it was Christmas time, 1996. The Ramseys had hosted a Christmas party of their own on December 23rd, where about 30 to 40 people had reportedly attended. Uh, by all witness accounts, Sean Benet was bubbly and in happy spirits, partaking in gingerbread decorating arranged by her mom, Patsy. And she was even greeted with a surprise from a Santa Claus impersonator at the party, which she reportedly just loved, immediately gravitated towards the Santa Claus Um, reports would later state that she even gifted the Santa Claus actor with a small little jar of gold glitter, which she said was for his beard at the end of the night. And he's gone on record to say, like, how just kind and sweet she was. You could just tell that that's memory has stuck with him. Um, so immediately this should kind of color a little bit more about Jean Benet's personality. Um, and in all of the research I have done, there were really no reports of her being like a brat or really anything of the sort. I mean, all the words and Mm -hmm. phrases that would routinely pop up were sweet, a bright light, angel, kind. Her mom had also given her an early Christmas gift that day, a gold bracelet inscribed with Jean Benet 122596. The Ramses loved Christmas. That was for sure. And Jean Benet had just performed "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree at a local mall, on december 22nd uh she had also just competed in and won what would be her final pageant title little miss christmas on december 17th
0: 1996
1: so eerie i know just eight days prior to her murder the family spent the evening of december 25th christmas having christmas dinner at their neighbors priscilla and fleet white's home they had arrived at approximately five PM for dinner and returned that evening around ten PM. So all four of them went. Just to clarify, it wasn't just the mom and dad; it was mom, dad, family. Sean Bonnet Okay. and her brother. Did yeah. they have a
0: nanny? You might get into this. They have a nanny or a housekeeper.
1: They did have a housekeeper, yes, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I kind of remember that from like the
0: TV movie. Yep. Oh god, I'm getting I'm getting flashbacks to it. Sorry, go on.
1: No, yeah, yeah. Chills. Um, they uh had arrived at approximately five PM for that dinner and returned that evening around 10 PM, where a six-year-old Jean Benet and her nine-year-old brother Burke were, were reportedly tucked into bed, like pretty much immediately once they got home. Um I think John even said that she had fallen asleep before they were home. So like in the John's car, the dad, so they, right? The dad, yes. Okay. Um she went to sleep that night wearing white long-sleeve pajama bottoms and a white long-sleeve t-shirt with a silver star on the front. Less than 24 hours later, she would be discovered in the same outfit along with that special gold bracelet her mom had gifted her the days prior and a little red heart that had been inscribed on her palm with ink. On the morning of December 26, at some time between five thirty and 5 45 a.m., Patsy Ramsey awakens and begins to descend the spiral staircase from her second story bedroom to make her way downstairs to the kitchen for a coffee. As she makes her way down the staircase, she discovers what some might call one of, if not the most infamous ransom note in true crime history. There, sitting on a rung of the staircase, was a two and a half page handwritten ransom note laid out. It's long but I think it's important that I read it to you so that we can like properly discuss it and dissect it.
0: It is the most fa- if you're cool with that. A- absolutely. Because it is so fascinating. Okay. That note is okay. Go for
2: it.
1: Cause it's wild. Really pay attention okay.
0: creepers because this note is littered with strange oddities. Yes,
1: yes. So the note reads, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We're a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for a proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you do not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police or FBI, will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned, we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics." You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good, southern common sense of yours. It's up to you now, John. Signed, Victory. Victory. SBTC. <laughs> I want to go into the analysis, but I just want to get like your first reactions and I, what that brings up. If you recall reading it before, or
0: I've absolutely read it before, and I think I'd forgotten so many of those weird details. Here's what's immediately jumping out to me that I remember because of like this I know you'll get into it with the analysis, but the specificity mm-hmm. of the numbers is really interesting $118,000 in addition to use that good Southern charm or Southern wit, what what did they say?
1: Um, it's Southern that uh, Use that good Southern common sense of yours.
0: Okay. I remember a line from the movie where somebody, cause like eventually they like invite people over who were looking at the ransom note, I think. And they're like, he's not from the South, but you said he's from Georgia.
1: I know that he spent time in Georgia. I actually think he's originally maybe from Michigan. They had family homes in, they had a home in Boulder, Colorado. Then they right. had a home in Charlevoix, Michigan. But huh. John was originally, he was in the Navy originally before he became like a businessman. And he was stationed in Atlanta, Georgia for a long time, like in his youth. So I think that that's why I'm thinking he was in the South for a while. Um, who would know that? I don't know.
0: Who would, who would, I, I <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, sorry, that, look, that looks could kill. Um, mm mm-hmm. My other question was, what was his job again? What did he do?
1: So he owned his own computer company called Access. uh, Oh, gosh, I get into it later. It's Access Secure, maybe. But it was a like computers right around this cyber company or I think it was like like a software company.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, In the 90s, that's probably big money.
1: Yeah. So very lucrative, like Mm -hmm. right around this time. I can't remember if it was like computer engineering or if it was software engineering something to do with tech in the tech space um and he uh i was gonna say oh right before jean benet had been killed there were like weeks prior um an announcement i think in the paper but i don't have it quoted like in the research but um some big announcement that uh his company had i think acquired over like I don't know, some exorbitant amount of money and revenue that year and like the success mm. of it. So he was like a high profile and the company was his net worth at the time, I think was like 6.4 million or something. That's kinda, I remember
0: was, them being very, very wealthy.
1: They're very wealthy. But why
0: 118,000? Yeah. Oh, Oh wait, that was, um. Mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't spoil mm-hmm. it, but I'm, I'm, it's like coming back to me now. So of course I'm like <laughs> treating it like a, a thing to call out. You keep going, yeah. you keep going. Well, Sorry. <laughs> you, no,
1: you got it. I mean, let's dive, let's dive into it. So, Um, investigators have studied this note, of course, over and over again, because of the lack of DNA evidence left at the crime scene. This letter has been really like the only item left behind by the killer that gives us real context clues into their psyche and who they might've been. Um, the oddities of its content and the nature of how it was written has always been the source of much, I don't know whether to say like analysis or scrutiny from the public, um, Both, truly. Analysis from investigators,
0: scrutiny from hacks like us. (laughs) Right,
1: right, right, right. Um, Well, first, let's call to attention just the sheer length of the ransom note. Um, That is something that has always Hmm. baffled investigators. Um, Detective Lou Smith, who worked on this case, said, quote, common sense would tell you that if you're going to commit a homicide kidnap somebody, you're not going to sit down and take the time to write a -a two-and-a-half-page ransom note. You're going to write something down very quickly because you've got to get out of the house. And at a length of two and a half pages, it still remains one of the longest ransom notes in his in crime history.
0: Oh, my. Wasn't it written with a pen they had in the kitchen?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my
0: God.
1: I know. you. Okay, That's... you saying that just gave me goosebumps. Sorry. <laughs> I already knew that. That's... <laughs>
0: So I I it like just came back to me when I was like, well, they could have written it before and then I remembered, yeah, it was the ink mm-hmm. was from a pen in their damn kitchen.
1: What the hell? Mm-hmm. Well, here we go. Secondly, the note was written on a notepad and a pen from inside the Ramsey's home.
0: It was also their notepad. Investi- oh my god.
1: Yes, yes, investigators and the public of course raised red flags because this note would have taken quite a while to write. So if you were an intruder and wanting to do the job and get out of there to limit the risk of getting caught, why write a note of this length on paper that happened to just like be there inside the house for you to use? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just bring it yourself ahead of time? Write it ahead of time and bring it so you didn't put yourself in that position? This was one of the very this is one of the first facts about the ransom note that caused the immediate pointing of fingers at Patsy and John Ramsey. Yeah. um it and it didn't help that investigators would go later and find remnants of a practice note written on the same notepad concluding that the author had attempted to write this official ransom note in a style that wouldn't resemble their own so they were practicing how it was gonna
0: look I didn't know that wait what happened mm-hmm. where's that note did they ever find that anywhere trash can or anything
1: yeah they have they had the practice note
0: oh they found the practice Oh, yeah,
1: they found they found. So I believe it was sort of like a like a not a legal pad, but something kind of similar. So there's multiple blank pages in the pad. And then they found, of course, they discovered that the ransom note was ripped and written on this pad. They figured that. But they found it the, like somewhere in the back of the pad. The beginning of the ransom note had been started to be written out and like scribbles and like trying to write it in a way that would
0: stew. <sighs> Oh,
1: and I actually didn't include this in my research. But another thing that I read was that once they kind of figured out they, that they were going to focus on the parents, mm-hmm. they like pretty much immediately flew out to Charlevoix, Michigan to their summer house because they wanted to see if Patsy had been practicing anywhere else. Like, that's how seriously they took it
0: and I, how I serious can,
1: they thought that it was her.
0: I can see why. Yeah. I mean, I I have yeah. some additional details I remember about why they suspected Patsy, the mother. But okay, so so this note shows up and it says, "If you call the police, we will kill her." Then what happens after that? Or maybe you'll get into it. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, she immediately calls the police. Why did she do that? What did she say? Why? I've never I understood think that. Because just panic. Well, I think I think for sure panic, but I think. There's plenty of people that would, like, draw their own conclusion as to why she felt like it didn't matter that she called the police. Um, so we'll we'll get into all of that. Um,
0: this is dark. But yes. This is dark. I know.
1: It's very dark. I'm also, like, just for the record, Creepers, I'm really trying to be as, like, down the middle as I can because I think that's where people get kind of like, I feel like they get in a rut with this case because they just go straight to the parent theory because there is so much to like, <laughs> Braising, yeah, I'm raising I mean, my hand. I there's hands. so much to back, to, to back it up. But I think if I can maintain like a little bit of um, just that middle ground, it's, yeah. it's helpful because I will say, and I told you this earlier this week over text, like by the end of it, I was very just like unsettled and still kind of like grappling with what the truth is here
0: that's what I'm curious about I'm almost hoping that you'll sway me away from the parents
1: in an odd way yeah. I mean of
0: course like obviously like I'm sure no stone has been but they've, they've turned over every stone in this case so I'm yeah. like if they were initially yeah. suspecting the parents and didn't find anything ultimately it must not suggest that it was the parents but I'm so compelled by just that initial evidence that you just gave me that I'm curious like what where the detour comes from you know
1: right right well, let's go back to the 118,000 that you very perceptively picked up on like that.
0: T. T. So,
1: I want to hear. T. Um, so that 118,000 was close to the exact amount of John Ramsey's Christmas bonus that year. Um, so obviously this raised suspicion pretty much in both camps. I mean, if you're looking at Patsy and John, it seems convenient that they would have that exact amount a available to give like the kidnappers right um but that they also ha- would have you know prior knowledge that of this exact amount Just is strange
0: <clears throat> sorry hold on um, wait so yeah he just to clarify he owned his own company but gave himself a bonus is that what it is
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: interesting i mean there's only a handful of people who could know that it would be patsy or it would be somebody in the inner circle at work maybe someone in accounting suzanne in finance right right or,
1: or disgruntled you know they're i've definitely experience where there's people that are getting bonuses that other people like feel are unjustly given and okay. how much did you get and how much you know well, like the CEO is giving rumors. himself
0: a bonus that's six figures in the 90s yeah I can, right. And, right yeah but I don't know that that would warrant anybody where they're like I have to kill their child that's crazy exactly
1: exactly um, now if you're looking at this from the perspective of an intruder writing this ransom note um, it would seemingly point to someone that was close enough to John Ramsey to know that amount. Many people believe this person perhaps worked with John or knew of John's success at his company that he founded called Access Graphics. That's it. Access Graphics. I know I said like access. Security. Access security. There. I was like
0: cybersecurity, yeah. big money.
1: So like, access <laughs>
0: Graphics. Access Graphics. Okay. Um,
1: I also wanted to discuss the, quote the group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction what do you what do you make of that
0: um it's it's me trying to meet the word count on an essay it's just me throwing in buzzwords well also
1: can i ask again who was it what was the
0: signature at the end that was also weird in my ear when you said it what did they say their name was
1: it's victory exclamation point, which is just like the sign off victory. And then it said S-B-T-C with a period in between each. S-B-T-C. There are many a conspiracy about what that means. But the one that came up the most in my research was that it's a it um, stands for saved by the cross.
0: Oh, is that a common phrase?
1: I think it's a common phrase maybe like kind of Christian or evangelistically Christian phrase. I'm not quite sure, but that's eerie. kind of culty. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'll say is that like the reason why I didn't include that is only because Patsy and John are very religious. And so like the people that say it's SBTC saved by the cross. Sure. But we, I, I don't think I've heard that phrase many times in my life.
0: Um, it could just be randomized, too. Especially if it it's could completely be yeah. like bogus. Right. SBTC. SBTC. Samantha Big.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't um, relate this to him just I, I'll like cut that. cut out. What, what
0: time is it? 51? I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> just, Don't cut it out. Just ignore that.
1: <laughs> Don't it's because out. I'm freaking um, out
0: because I'm remembering now I know, like, I how... Know. Heavy and, like, insane, this case is.
1: Investigators and the public pointed to the bizarre nature of a foreign group supposedly targeting a business owner like John out in Boulder, Colorado. Like you said about, like, the word count thing, it sounds like it's out of a movie. It sounds very, like, contrived. Foreign Um, faction? Foreign faction, yeah. Um, People speculated that the writing sounded like lines pulled from um there was a movie literally called ransom that was apparently playing in boulder at that time. Um so pe- people definitely pointed to like some of the wording in there felt very like fantastical out of a movie. And for me it like reminded me of the Zodiac killer. Yeah. Like some of his kind of canned lines. It's um, like
0: hyperbolic in a way that's very over the yes. top. Yeah yeah a little theatrical. Yeah uh, that would make sense. I mean yes. that's compelling to think about like a disgruntled local who's like trying to disguise themselves as a foreign entity and they're mm-hmm. just like referencing, I don't know, some crackpot movie that's playing at
1: the time. Right. And there was, I think, one other line, the like, don't try to grow a brain. You I think from odd. some of the research that's I really read. Specific. it really specific. Yeah, it was from, it was basically the same line from another movie. I think it was Speed, actually, but there's like a hijacking or
0: Speed is a great ransom. movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, another one added to the list that I haven't seen, but I know is a classic.
0: I again, I'm going to. You're going to be institutionalized, <laughs> strapped down in my apartment. I'm going to make you watch was Sandra Bullock's first movie, Speed.
1: Right? She, no, I know. I mean, I know it's a classic. She got an Oscar nomination for it, right?
0: Did she? That's crazy. No, no, if no, no, She I'm did. The Blind Side. She got an Oscar for a Blind Side, like an actual Oscar, right? Which, right. T those people are getting sued now.
1: I know. I was going to say. You're good about ooh. that. Uh huh. That's a whole
0: other episode of Creep Time.
1: That is. That's that a whole is.
0: other conspiracy to get into. You've never seen Speed. That's crazy.
1: But that was a I line know. in Speed. Yes, the don't try to grow a brain. He
0: says that too. It was either
1: Speed or some some other movie. No, that at ca- the time, that kind of sounds like
0: Speed because, like Keanu, I think it's Keanu Reeves. He's like the de- detective. I don't know the investigator who's on the bus with them like trying to strategize how he's going to get them all off safely but he's mm-hmm. also in communication he's like the negotiator that's what he, I think he's a negotiator he's like trying to negotiate with the villain and the villain says some weird stuff like that he's like don't try to grow a brain whatever his name is interesting yeah. but speed came out in 90 hold on two I thought
1: okay this is a
0: complete derail I'm sorry I just I have to know or, no, or no, it'll, no 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 but it,
1: me. it, I mean it no it does like
0: Oh no, ninety four. That would make sense.
1: It colors like who this. If we're not going to look at the Ramses, like try to imagine the type of person that would write this. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it helps to know what movies they're going to see or um, how. You know, or just thinking like, about if they worked with him.
0: Yeah, just that they're engaged a little bit in pop culture in a in a way. Yeah. Also, yeah, it paints a different picture where I'm not quite thinking of like. I don't know, a loner in cell, even though that's like probably who this was, but it's maybe somebody who presented as very normal, which could have mm-hmm. certainly been somebody who worked for John's company, you know, and totally. could have been disgruntled. But I'm more compelled by some of that, that strangeness of the notepad and the pen being from the home and the practice note being left in the home. That's. <clears throat> that's something
1: well and how about this that at the end of that note they start just addressing him so personally like they they don't call him mr ramsey they're calling him like john hearkening to his southern roots saying mm-hmm. that he's not the only fat cat around it feels is, is like that a very a, what is personal that? attack
0: is that a colloquialism uh, or
1: something i think so yeah okay like you're not the only like Head honcho here. You're, you're not King yeah. Tut. I think that's kind of like the same. Big
0: fish, small um, pond. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing I read. Again, I didn't include this in my research ahead of time, but um, some of the note people say sounds like ma- maternal language. Um, what does that mean? Me go back. Maternal
0: and just, language, like, like feminine.
1: That it would that it would indicate maybe the writing of a woman. Like there's the phrasing. Um, so let me, me see. Me being like, like uh, I didn't feel
0: that at all. But also, <laughs> me writing that. <laughs> no, notes. I mean, I didn't.
1: <laughs> I really didn't either. Um, Maybe
0: because it is a little theatrical. You know, it's not quite as straightforward. I can see why they would think that.
1: Yeah, like the the delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. Um, That's a line in there. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's going be exhausting. I advise you to be rested. Foreign faction.
1: Or like use that good southern common sense of yours. Like it sounds, I think it's kind of a like a, I think that's a slippery slope to go down, saying the language sounds very feminine. But I just remember reading that and I was like, hmm, that is odd. Like imagining mm-hmm. someone, if they're really jealous or angry at John, like, you know, advising that he's slept the night before or whatever. Like it's just kind of like, Wouldn't you just say, but I "I have your kid. Give me the damn money.
0: I believe there are, there are experts who can probably make a very educated guess on that though. They can probably infer like a, like a personality type that it's kind of like the, the Missy Beavers case where everybody was like, there were analysts who watched that footage of the person in the guard costume. And they were like, we can tell that this is most likely a woman walking for like X, Y, and Z. And they were like, Right. Like, credible things they were backing it up with, which when I first heard that, I was like, there's no way you'd be able to tell. But they made some, like, compelling points on physicality. And I was like, that's interesting that people can analyze that and decide, like, this is most likely a female-presenting person or a male-presenting person. That's interesting.
1: Right. Yeah. You also just threw me by mentioning Missy Beavers. I have not thought about that. I threw myself. I don't even know
0: where that came from. Like...
1: (laughs) I just had that video, the surveillance video lay in my head and I'm like that is one of the darkest cases
0: we've ever covered on this podcast that is some sinister I'm gonna swear right now that's some sinister we covered on that
1: yes 100% you know what's crazy the Tika
0: Adams case that we always reference like 24 7 yeah do you know it's like one of our least listened to episodes isn't that isn't that it's like literally our least listened to episode and I'm like we promote it more than any other episode we've ever covered (laughs) We talk I about like it at least once people, every podcast.
1: People probably listen to it and they're like, that's so foul. And they've shut it off.
0: I think it's like, the title. And they
1: also know that she lived. So they're probably like, okay, oh, yeah, that could be it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't like the unsolved cases I know. They're like, well, if I know right off the bat, like if it says in the title it's unsolved, they're like, I can't listen to it because they can't take the wondering. I think that one turns people off because in the title, it I literally say, a baby ripped from the womb. <laughs> Which I think could maybe turn some people off where they're like, I think I'll skip that
2: one. Just a little bit. Yeah, like that, that might be a little
0: too much for a Monday morning drive oh, on my way my to God. Costco.
1: Well, with that being said, Creepers, this one might be a, this might not be a Costco ride one either. This might be a, I,
0: I think this is going to be a big one. This is going to be like Zodiac, to be honest.
1: Okay. Now, tethering us back, I have to use your phrasing. Mm. What, what also struck out to me about this note is that they never name Sean That is They never say her name. That is weird. Why? That's strange. Which would indicate that that's just like a random intruder that doesn't, it, they just took the child. But if we're going with mm. the theory um, and supporting that this person was targeting mm. the Ramses and her, it's just never quite sat right with me that they wouldn't use her name, and like because I think that would add to the severity of like the nature of this being real for the Ramses. You know, like if they if they really didn't write it, that they would read that note and go, "Oh my god," like this person has been because th- their claim was that this person came inside the home mm-hmm. and had been there and had been you know targeting John Bonet and and waiting for this moment, and so in my mind, I'm always kind of like. I just it doesn't make total sense to me that if that's true that they wouldn't write Chambonet's name in there if they were that like enamored with her and and obsessed with her.
0: That's a good point. I I almost wonder I'm trying to think of like another case that's similar to this and if they've written the name of their victim if it's a, it's a victim that um they've kind of stalked, you know, or they've studied in a weird yeah. way. Cuz all signs kind of point to that, right? If it if we're assuming it's not the parents that it was Somebody who was obsessed with this little girl.
1: Right. And also, the other side of that is like the more I thought about it, I was thinking if we are thinking that the parents potentially wrote it, did they mm. maybe leave her name out because they were trying so hard to like be authentically some random intruder, like start to stage and paint that picture? And they kind of just like miss the mark on it because it just it it doesn't quite align with their the idea that they think this was a random intruder thing, but then they also think that they were being like definitely targeted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It just kind of doesn't I don't know. If if they wrote it, I would have thought that they would have written her name because it would have just sounded way more targeted and would have aligned Direct, with their yeah. theory that they always said that they Chabonet had been, you know, stalked and they were being targeted
0: it's kind of it's kind of strange because i in i weirdly like almost misremembered the note as like having been directly addressed like addressing her so it's strange Mm -hmm. to hear that like that's not true so maybe it's just the way that people have talked about the note and the suspects that's like changed my memory of this but that's odd Uh, yeah that's weird
1: yeah okay so let's continue through the events of december 26th so after finding that note, Patsy Ramsey calls 911 at approximately 5.52 a.m., with police officers arriving at 5.59 a.m. The 911 call has been the subject of much speculation and scrutiny, and I'm going to play it for you now. You have and it? I'll do ai have it. And I'll do a dive into why, other than the obvious, like the fact of the matter, it's it's deeply disturbing, but it's been analyzed over and over again much like the ransom note so i do want to play it for you and hopefully you this is do you see that are you um,
0: looking at me i'm tearing what, up because what? i've never heard this before and i'm getting really freaked oh god, out
1: oh god oh god i've okay. never well, heard this before in my you, life. just let me know
0: no 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 no. i'm also, just I, like i'm shocked because i feel like i know so much about this case so for you to like throw something my way that i've never seen i'm like oh my okay. it's, it feels like i'm uncovering new evidence i okay let's hear it.
1: i hope this this will be loud enough so oh yeah just hold it straight up to
0: the mic honestly
1: okay Okay, could you hear that at all?
0: I did. Yeah, I'm. Okay. Was it I'm,
1: super soft?
0: No, I feel. I feel like I can hear it. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like it was good. I'm. Wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Um, how did how okay? How does that impact you when you first heard it? Because I'm feeling oddly convinced that that was real.
1: Yeah, that's that's what people grapple with is it sounds like if that is a rehearsed thing Mm -hmm. that like damn did they rehearse it well because the panic in her voice is like so to me it does sound like a mother that just discovered something and doesn't know what's going on
0: yeah I feel like I could as like it it felt like I was seeing like the thoughts and the realizations happening in real time with her where like the more she was like answering questions and talking about it the reality was setting in which sits in complete contrast of my, like I said, my preconceived ideas about what I think happened with this case and like Pat Ramsey's involvement in it. So I am very thrown by that. I did not expect, I did not expect that. I was kind of going into it thinking I was going to hear some, something I could see through, you know, but I'm yeah pretty stunned actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the question, like I said, that's always a, uh, arose from that is, was the call? Rehearse, like had she premeditated or rehearsed mm-hmm. with John what it was gonna sound like. Why did she call? If she had just read the note, it said don't call the FBI or don't call the police, we'll yeah. immediately behead her.
0: That's what's weird. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh my God, this case.
1: <laughs> Can't I know. take this
0: damn. It's we haven't even like really gotten into it yet, which is crazy.
1: We're on page like <laughs> three out of eleven. So <laughs> <get ready. laughs> oh, my oh my God, we haven't even gotten past the ransom note. I know. There's just so I much. There's so much. So I do want to to quote um, the 911 dispatcher. Her name was Kimberly Archuleta. Um, she spoke for the first time about answering that 911 call in 2016. So on the 20th anniversary of Jean Benet's death. Oh, wow. She said, quote, I just remember having that sunken feeling that something wasn't right. What bothered me immensely. It sounded like she said, OK, we've called the police. Now what? And that disturbed me. So I remained on the phone, trying to hear what was being said. It sounded like there were two voices in the room, maybe three different ones. I had a bad feeling about this. To me, it seemed rehearsed. That's never changed. Woof. Like whoa.
0: Um, I'm I'm gonna have to crack open another high noon because okay. that's sending me, <laughs> Let me. Take a
1: sip of my three my voices
0: in the. I just. This case does not take its foot off your neck. Like, no. every time, I swear to God, I know we, we've covered like 3% of it thus far, but like every time I feel like I have a grip on it and I'm like, I know what happened here, the rug gets pulled out from under me. I've also never heard that, that the 911 dispatcher thinks she heard three voices. Wait, she also thinks she heard someone say, okay, we've called the police, now what?
1: Well, she thinks that that was like the tone was like. Oh, okay, okay gotcha. After,
0: I, I was like, if, if those were the yeah. words that were said, <laughs> that's no, no, pretty no. compelling. <laughs> I know Patsy so Ramsey said, but
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I know I'll send to you. Somebody did take the audio at the end when she goes, "Patsy, Patsy," mm-hmm. and you. She's basically either dropped the phone or hung or like let it, you know. If it's a corded phone, it's hanging off the wall. Or just put it on the table or something. Yeah. yeah, They've enhanced the audio. And like what you basically can hear or supposedly people think they can hear um, is John and Burke, the brother, and them saying to the effect. And I'm paraphrasing right now. um, So creepers, (laughs) we look up this audio. It's on YouTube. But basically saying like, what have you done? Um, And Burke Burke saying, are are they going to arrest me? Yeah.
0: Get out.
1: It's so muffled though. Like I just don't it's super. I I even hesitate to to bring it up. I know, I know. Because it's really, I mean, I think it's a it's definitely a reach, but I mean, I think what's so compelling about it is that the dispatcher said that she felt like she heard other voices. I mean, yeah. That's just undeniable. Like that's well, she would arguably have the
0: clearest. The clearest perception of it, you know what I mean? Because she's hearing it. It's not like a recording.
1: She's hearing it live. Right. Right.
0: <sighs>
1: so the dispatcher was put on a gag order shortly after the investigation began. So investigating the moments after Patsy thought she had hung up the phone, that came later, like you and I are talking about. Um,
0: like how much, like 20 also, years later? Like 2016 later?
1: Yeah. Holy. Yeah. And, okay. And the dispatcher thought that had investigators paid more attention to those last couple of seconds when the phone, when Cassie thought it was on the hook again, she thinks that the day could have gone a lot differently, like the investigation that day. Huh. um. So I don't want to spend like too much time in the 911 call, but when I came across that statement from the dispatcher, it sent shivers down my spine, not so much because I'm siding with her theory that the Ramseys might have something to do with it, or they were covering something up, but mm. it's honestly more so that she was so close to the crime and that day of the events, and she was sort of like the first emotional kind of like I don't know how to phrase it like recipient of this case, like the the wave of she's kind of the, fir- the first responder,
0: really to like yeah the first person who was clued in outside of the circle. You know, if we we're assuming it was yes. John and Patsy, or if we're assuming it was Burke. And then John and Patsy were covering like a lot of people think she's the first outside ear.
1: And she's the first person that got like hit in her gut with that, like pang of unease that I think you and I are feeling, you know, right in this very moment. And people feel when they think about this case, I mean, she, it hit her like that hard in her gut. She felt like something was so dreadfully wrong, which obviously there's a, a mom calling you thinking there's kidnapping, but for her to say in that moment, I felt like, things were not adding up, I just think is so compelling.
0: Totally. Totally. And she had to stay quiet about it, which is the craziest thing for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: Now, moving on with the rest of the day, shortly after Patsy called 911, she called those neighbors that they had visited and had Christmas dinner with the night before, the Whites, along with two other friends, John and Barbara Fernie, as well as their uh, pastor to come to the house. I assume to comfort them in this time of distress since at the time you have to remember the crime scene was still being treated as a kidnapping and mm-hmm. not a homicide. Um, so patrolmen arrived shortly after around like, um, I, I should have had the timeline in here, but like in the 6am-ish hour, uh, they get their couple of officers. These are kind of like your. Um, that these are not going to be detectives. These are going to be county just police. You can that say county, honey. County, county. You county. Can say Sorry, county. <laughs> county, Boulder County. Um, this is county. So, uh, patrolmen searched the house initially, and one of them stopped at a door in the basement. The officer looked at the door and claimed he didn't open it because he was only looking for possible exit routes at this point, an exit route that the kidnapper might have taken. So, with this door, it had a latch over it, and he assumed, okay. Well, they couldn't have exited out that way because it's locked from the inside. Little did he know that behind that door, John Bonet's body was lying. It wasn't until 8, 10 a.m. that the first actual detective arrives on the scene. Her name was Linda Arndt. And when Linda arrives, patrolmen had already done their extensive search. Um, Linda went on to state that for the next couple of hours, she really just spent Time, making mental notes, assessing the scene, the emotional state of the Ramseys. Um, in an interview that she gave with ABC News in 1999, she stated that she thought it was bizarre that Patsy and John were in separate rooms for most of the morning. Um, that is And weird. if you remember, huh. yeah, um, if you remember, the ransom note said that the kidnappers were going to call between 8 and 10 a.m., and Arndt stated in her interview that there was no mention of the call. Like those hours just passed and nobody acknowledged that the kidnappers hadn't called. By 10.30 a.m., Linda Arndt was the only law enforcement on the scene. So she had no backup. It was just this one woman. And she reportedly called twice for more backup. Um, and dispatchers said, yes, they're coming. They're in meetings. They're on their way. So it was really just her. Mm -hmm. in the house with the Ramseys. I want to just pause and acknowledge that there is a lot of scrutiny on the Boulder police and how they botched the handling of the crime scene. Totally. Um, Specifically. Yeah. Specifically some judgment calls that were probably kind of poorly made by Linda Arndt. um, And we'll get into that, but I do just want to nail down the timeline of the day because it's super important. Um, And remember that she's alone in the house with the Ramseys. She's the only uh, so there.
0: the neighbors and stuff like haven't come over at this point or are they already oh, they're there? there? They're, they're there. there. Okay. So, I'm sorry. To, be, Everybody so, is so there. to be clear, <laughs> it's like a full house basically. And this Linda woman, one the detective. detective has not even secured this crime scene. She's just letting people yeah. like walk along the house with their shoes. Yep. Yep. Insane. Okay.
1: Yep. And at approximately 1 PM, this is another, you know, this is the judgment call she makes that is so, heavily scrutinized but around one o'clock p.m uh john ramsey and fleet white who's the friend the uh husband of the couple that they had christmas dinner with right next to Um, yep they are told by linda arndt to search the house again and she would go on to say in her interview that she felt like people were just like biding their time and like emotions were starting to rise and so just to kind of deviate the situation calm the tension she told them to search again um she was basically like just desperate for backup and I think was starting to just be like what do I do
0: yeah was she young was she like a green detective
1: she I would guess so when she gave that interview 1999 she looked from the interview when I watched it to be she reminded me so much of Jodie Foster by the way um she was probably in her like late 30s I would say Gotcha. So. It's also not every day that um, like
0: even a detective sees a case as wild as like a ransom child kidnapping case is not an everyday occurrence. Right.
1: And if I remember correctly from my research, this was the first murder that whole year in Boulder. Wow. So I don't think that it was. And it's, you know, the end of the year. It's December. So, I mean, I don't think that where they were, the town was. Like, I think this was a very unusual set of circumstances for this town and this detective. Um, Right. So at one o'clock, she tells John and Fleet to search the house again. Uh, She said that she's told them to start from top to bottom. um, But she said that John headed straight to the basement. And mere minutes later, John Ramsey had found Jean Benet behind that door and he started to carry her up the basement stairs. He was ordered to put her down. Once Linda saw him, she ordered him to put JonBenet down, and around uh, one ten p.m., uh, Bonet's body was moved into the living room, I assume by Linda, um, and Linda called 911 telling the responders that the house was now the scene of a homicide, and she could no longer obviously wait for backup.
0: She knew immediately Bonet was dead. <laughs>
1: Yes, cold to the touch. Oh. How are we doing?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm getting really, really intense flashbacks to the movie because they show that exact moment in some very graphic mm-hmm. detail. And I just remember yeah. him picking up the body of John Bonnet and Linda taking the body. I guess I didn't know her name was Linda. Mm-hmm. And I guess the prop they had used for John Binet was just a stiff child to, like, show rigor mortis. Mm-hmm. And that was so disturbing to me as a child to see, like, yep. a stiff kid. Oh, God, I'm getting full-body chills thinking about it. I know.
1: So let's get into the, the second part of the kind of botchery of this crime scene. So, um... Once they took Sean Benet into the living room, Sean John Ramsey asked if he could put a blanket over her body while they waited on nine one one. and supposedly before she had time to tell him no and like prevent him, he was already placing the blanket over her body. Um, so he already contaminated her body was already contaminated because he carried her up the stairs. Yeah, but by like he disrupted the other- scene. Right. By placing this other throw blanket over her. Now it's going to have fibers of potentially Patsy, John. If they're all using this blanket It yeah, could have been, been any been house, of like the friends
0: like a, who have been Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the other part that she should have. She sh- it should have been secured immediately. Everybody should have been separated and put in different rooms and not allowed to search. But it was just that this is what happened. Um, The pastor apparently then led Group in prayer. Oh Jesus! And it wasn't.
2: <laughs> Sorry, <isn't
1: that> crazy <laughs> to think about. Like it's well, it's it's just so. How um, I can't I can't even think of the right word. Like I guess surreal that this has just happened, and now we're gonna we have to like again. It's like the they're biting the time. Like what are they gonna do? There's nobody there. It's just this one detective. So
0: it's. I mean, I'm sure it was. It was not in like poor faith where they're like, I'm sure it was the only thing he thought he could do to like comfort. But yeah, that is so disturbing in my mind to think about a dead child, a dead little girl on the floor in the living room. And then some guy gets up and says, let's lead a group prayer. That's insane. Like Mm -hmm. uh, people would be going ballistic. Like that would, uh, that that's hysterically disturbing. That's crazy.
1: Oh, And of course, I mean, in between those ten minutes, so the backup law enforcement arrives at one twenty. But oh, there's ten minutes there. Yeah, N- not there's like the call didn't come there. in at five
0: in the damn morning. Sorry, I'm exactly. Cracking another high exactly. Noon. Uh, now, Crack now I'm, like, I'm moving into my. I'm pissed off. Now. Crack it
1: open. Yeah, good. Um, so uh, let's see. It wasn't until one twenty that the backup law enforcement and ambulances finally arrived on the scene. Um, obviously, like I said, the public scrutinized Linda for. A, asking them to search the house again, and B, letting John touch the body by carrying it, and then subsequently placing that blanket over her. Mm-hmm. Upon discovering the body, Linda Arndt said, quote, I knew what happened. There is no doubt in my mind.
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was trying to hold in a sneeze. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: I honestly uh, thought you were about to throw up, and I was like, same.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how
1: I felt watching her interview. No, oh my God. <sighs> Let it out. I, I did. Attention. I tried so
0: hard to like not interrupt you because I knew you were about to reveal something big. Okay, go on. I'm sorry.
1: No, that, no, my God. Um, when asked in that interview if she thought the killer was still in the house while she waited for backup, and you can deduce what she means by this, she said, "quote I knew it absolutely." She also stated that, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but in that interview, which I watched so many times, because it's just like, again, kind of like the dispatcher. Like, this is one of the only, like, people that was right there, regardless of if she botched it or not. Like, her account of that day is so, just bone chilling. Because she has no bias Um, towards the
0: Ramsey. She's not a friend of
1: the family or anything. Like, she has. Exactly.
0: She can be a neutral reactor to, like, she's the first person Mm -hmm. who's really, like, on the scene who's, like, paying attention.
1: Right. And she said something to the effect of, like, at that moment, while she's alone waiting for backup, she grabbed her gun just to, like, hold it and started also counting in the movie. how many bullets also she, in the movie. she had. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. Okay. Oh,
0: this movie. We ha- We're going to watch this movie together. Again, okay. free on YouTube. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, how did I not come? I did so much research on YouTube. How did I not come across that? The
0: entire movie is on YouTube, like all of it. That's,
1: oh my God. Okay, well, this is where it's about to get creepers. Just take a deep breath because we're going to talk about how the body was found and the autopsy of Jean Benet's body. Okay. So in an interview with Barbara Walters, John Ramsey stated, quote, I knew instantly what I had found. I saw her lying on the floor, her hands tied above her head, tape over her mouth, eyes closed. I immediately took off, took off of her, took the tape off of her mouth. I tried to untie the cord around her arms, but couldn't get the knot untied. I screamed. I picked her up. It was like a dream. I screamed, but I couldn't say anything. The following day, Boulder County Coroner John Meyer would conduct an autopsy. Linda Art was also present at that autopsy. The cause of death was ruled as a result of asphyxiation by strangulation um, via a garrot. Do you know what that is? No. What is that? I didn't know either. It's it's like a pretty old school uh, way of strangu- strangling someone, but it's essentially you'll take either like a stick or a pipe or something that kind of you'll wrap the end of the cord around so that you can... First of all, you don't have to hold the cord while you're strangling someone, but it gives you more of a like grip on the cord so you can hold on to something and kind of... And then what was also used for way back in the day was that um, when you were using the stick or whatever, that you could puncture the back of the person's neck while you were strangling them with that piece so that it would... It's actually kind of a more humane, I guess, way of strangling someone that you can very quickly kill them and also... You'll puncture a part of their spinal cord where they'll basically die pretty so, instantly.
0: Is this uh, a something that's designed specifically as a weapon, or is this something that people use as a weapon and it's designed for something else?
1: I would say in this case, it was specifically designed to be a weapon. So
0: this was something if that, that was your question. Was this already in the house or was this brought in? Like was this a part of like the no. ramp? It was not. Interesting.
1: Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. So okay. <laughs> I feel like I have to just tell you this because I know you're going to be like sick because it's really just this is also what just made me so ill over this case. The uh, way that this person, her killer, had fashioned it was they had taken a paintbrush of Patsy's that was in the house, broken it and used that as their stick that they would then wrap the cord around. Oh. So the, the so the cord, whether the intruder, if whether it's, you know, okay. let's say it's the Ramses or an intruder, they had the cord already, I would assume. And then when they decided, okay, I'm going to strangle Jean Benet, mm-hmm. they then decided to do it with and fashion themselves a garrotte instead of just wrapping the cord around her neck. They decided that it would be better for them for some reason to do the garrotte.
0: That was her official cause of death.
1: No, so her well, her official cause was she was first blunt trauma to the head; she was hit with some object, and then oh, okay, she was okay. that's what I remembered. finished off with the strangu- strangulatory device, the garot. Oh,
0: God, because in my mind, I was like, "There's no way Burke could have done this like strangulation thing. That's too intricate for a child right. to, to know." Like, what would be his reference right. point?
1: Right. So, it was ruled. Right, as a strangulation, as well as a skull fracture as being the ultimate um, thing that killed her. Linda Arndt described the trauma done to JonBenet's head while she was at the autopsy as, quote, savagery. Uh, there was also evidence of sexual assault. The autopsy revealed scraping and swelling of the vaginal area, as well as series of, a series of scrapes on the back of her right shoulder, her left lower back, and left lower leg. Her underwear also contained traces of urine as well as DNA. Um, her
0: DNA or yeah,
1: semen? not semen DNA. Okay. So that's I was just going to say that, <laughs> but I heard you go and I was like, yes,
0: because I'm <laughs> very good currently in my head at the FBI punching in all the data points at this case because I'm going to solve the stamp. Well, thing.
1: it's the sexual assault component of her autopsy in the case is very unclear i think to like myself and a lot of people that investigate it it's not obvious that she was like like raped per se but something Mm -hmm. had gone down either staged or for real where there had been some sort of trauma to her sexually um Mm -hmm. and then people think she had was then like wiped so that interesting showing up yeah
2: but there that was I did not traces
1: know. of urine, DNA, and um, a matter that looked like, I think it was blood or either a bloody substance that was in her underwear. Interesting. Okay. So the other interesting thing about that, her bladder was found empty, which might suggest that she had wet her bed that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, another key element to the autopsy, um, and we'll get, we'll get to why, go with me here, why this matters later on, but... They found fragments of, quote, yellow to light green, tan, apparent vegetable or fruit material, which may res- represent pineapple in her small intestines, undigested. Now, why is that so important? Well, first, undigested food would mean that Jean Bonnet had most likely eaten that substance a few hours prior to being murdered. But if you remember, Patsy and John claimed to have never fed, well, they claimed to have put Jean Bonnet right to bed that evening w- once they got home. And they have said on the record, they never fed jean Bonnet pineapple that evening at the Christmas dinner they attended the night before. And like I just said, they stated she was already asleep when they arrived home and immediately tucked her into bed. So why is this significant? Well, an unfinished bowl of pineapple and an unfinished glass of milk were found on the kitchen counter during the crime scene investigation, seemingly from the night before. Hmm when we jump into theories i'll go into more detail about the significance of it and why the pineapple thing is either like the greatest red herring or this is a new term i just learned by the way which i am i feel bad that you if you don't know it i'll also i'll feel better but it's the term chekhov's gun do you know this term i don't think i've ever heard
0: that no chekhov's gun so it's
1: basically chekhov's gun so it's basically so which, play is, Herring, which play which is means... this a reference to? <laughs> I actually don't think it's a play. When I looked it up, I don't, I, I was like, which one is it? Yeah. Vanya? Three Sisters. <laughs> Three Sisters. I think it was
2: yeah.
1: actually... Oh, yeah. It, literally. A seagull. I think <laughs> it's <sequel>. actually just... <laughs> I think it's actually just a device that he... Like a writing device that he like... Oh,
0: interesting. Okay. Where he
1: would... It's the idea that he basically would plant something that seemed really insignificant in mm-hmm. his stories at the beginning. And then later on, it would be revealed that they were crucial to the plot. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So like the opposite of a red herring, basically. So that's the pineapple could be one or the other, in my opinion. Um. Now I have to tell you that doing the, during the research, what kept creeping into my psyche over and over again, and I know that you and I have discussed it before is the damn basement like the diagrams I found and the mm-hmm. way the house was sort of a maze and the fact that she was found in this tiny little like wine cellar there was only one in one way in and one way out it just yeah. makes my stomach turn and the idea that Jean Benet was awoken and taken to that cold basement most likely in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and she was either absolutely terrified or on the other hand She thought nothing was wrong when, in fact, it was about to become dreadfully wrong. It's just, it's just like one of the most horrific things to imagine. And I mean, I can't get that out of my head. How do you feel about like what must have been running through her mind?
0: I'm, I'm okay. There's a couple of things that I'm thinking about. Part of it has to do with the basement. Part of it has to do with like the quietness of all this, and part of it has to do with the pineapples. There's a million things racing right now. The, the one thing that's dawning on me, um, big time is that this was. Was it, it wasn't Christmas Eve, it was the night of Christmas Day, right?
1: So it was the next, it was the 26th. So yeah, the very, the morning of. When she she was, when she was was found,
0: but like the night before would have been Christmas Day into the night.
1: Into the night, yeah.
0: Okay. Because my for, for some reason I was thinking like Christmas Eve and I was like, well, I did that when I was a little kid. I would like get up in the middle of the night on my own mm-hmm. and I would go downstairs on Christmas Eve, like waiting for Santa. So I could totally see a scenario where like child gets up, it's like three in the morning, go downstairs, like get some milk, get pineapple. You know, milk is also a very like children-y drink. hmm um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if that would make sense on Christmas Day, but it's not off the table. The other thing I'm thinking about is the quietness of all of this. If the Ramseys are truly, like, not involved, it feels like somebody she's familiar with in a weird way. Somebody she knows and is not afraid of and afraid to go down to the basement with, assuming that this all Mm -hmm. happened in that room in the basement, which I think it supports that it did, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's Th- chilly. That another, is chilling as hell.
1: Right. Right. Like, she either was that. So, if we think, you know, obviously she's going to be quiet if it's her own parents. If it's not her own parents, even it's if it's an Burke. Intruder.
0: Yeah. If it's just some, a family. Yeah. yeah. Like, she going to she's sneak downstairs, you know?
1: Yeah. There's another theory that some of the marks on her body resembled something of a stun gun i'll get into it in the theories but that she could have been stunned and then taken down to the basement which is why nobody heard her
0: oh that's i've never heard that you are just like coming out of the woodwork swinging girl you have got all of these things i've never heard i've literally followed this case i'd say for like possibly 20 years oh i'm gonna throw you please do you asked
1: me to swing swing for the uh season finale i ain't missing i'm, I'm gonna try not to miss baby
0: you chuck me right <laughs> off that cliff honey i'm already like i'm three high noons deep and i'm, I'm only getting going further
1: <laughs> good okay now let's take a look at the next couple of days following mm. the murder and the autopsy because this is when the Ramses made a couple of decisions whether You view them as fateful or not that landed them in a mountain of suspicion. So the ending of 1996 into 1997 would mark the beginning of the chaotic media coverage that would make the JonBenet Ramsey case, you know, like you keep saying, like the most infamous, one of the most in history and the world, not just the U.S. Um, And just just as a sidebar, I feel like this is like our intermission right now. I'm going to let us breathe here, add a little levity, because... You know, Nancy, I told you I would bring it. Let there me hear, is a let me hear it quote from Nancy about the case and how it was botched and everything. And I do have a word to add to our Nancy Grace lexicon. Mm-hmm. She said that the case was, quote, bungled.
0: Bungled. How have we not said that before? Bungled. County bungled. <laughs> if County bungled. County bungled. That's the name of our our after show podcast, County Bungled.
1: (laughs) When I was, I was so, I have to tell you, when I was watching these interviews of like John and Patsy and the coverage and like the very serious stuff, when I finally got to a Nancy Grace and she was very serious and I was like, oh, okay. Like she's, she's not doing her typical Nancy thing. And she said, it was bungled. I was like, Oh my God! She, Thank God she gave me one word.
0: Yeah, bon w- whether the theatrics are there, the, the the lights and the camera there or not, Nancy's still going to come through. She's going to come. You
1: through. You know her glossary. She stays. She stays with that glossary close
0: to her. Do you think we get sued if we published a little book of the Nancy Grace glossary? I don't know that we have enough like, like write, material like for a book. She'd,
1: <laughs> she'd write the foreword.
0: <laughs> She's writing our, our like opening I swear. paragraph.
1: <laughs> yeah. she would i think she'd like it
0: oh got bungled that's good okay
1: bungled now let's go into the following days so the last couple of days of 1996 into 1997 on december 28th the ramses agree to go down to the boulder police department and they give samples of blood hair and dna which is known as non-testimonial evidence so they didn't get hmm. interviewed or anything okay um former Boulder police. Wait, so they Steve weren't, Thomas, I don't mean to interrupt.
0: They weren't interviewed at all. Yeah. They must've been. No, they must've been. So, like, Get
1: ready. Get ready. Get ready. They, they
0: weren't interviewed for like nothing. What? Did they have lawyers?
1: Not then. Yeah. They lawyered up immediately.
2: Oh, okay. yeah, so this is, this is okay. why
1: Silas, this is why it gets so bad. let let's go down this road. Or not you think they did it, this is why. So, uh, former Boulder police detective Steve Thomas claims that the police attempted to arrange interviews with the Ramseys, but those were attempts were evaded and their first like formal interview with the Boulder police would not happen until April of 1997. What? Yeah. Because, well, get ready. So December 29th, the next day. The Ramseys fly to their hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. John Ramsey had actually from the research I saw called the afternoon of the twenty sixth, So the day that everything went down, called his pilot and tried to arrange the private plane for them to leave and go to Atlanta. Um, the police advised against them leaving town, so the Ramseys did stay a couple of extra days to provide those DNA samples, etc. But by the 29th, they were out of Boulder, and they were on their private plane to Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Just going to, like, family? Like, parents or something?
1: Going to the their gran- hometown, yeah. The grandparents. So, yes. I don't know. I guess it is the grandparents. I actually don't know for my research. Um, I should know that. That's uh, odd they
0: didn't come to them but also i mean i'm putting myself in the shoes of a parent who just found their child dead in their home they probably don't want to stay in that home they may
1: not even be allowed to why i remember um so john was married previously before patsy and -hmm. he had a daughter in that marriage she had died tragically in a car accident her grave was in atlanta georgia in marietta i think actually and they wanted john bonnet to be buried next to his other daughter
0: Oh I see. So they were already thinking of arrangements for funeral.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I see. Okay.
1: Yeah. But still, I mean, it's 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 not a great look. It's sketchy. Mhm. Um I mean, no so interview until
0: April is like mind-blowing yeah. to me.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, no no, like, formal heavy sit down with the police. like
0: Interrogation, we could say, I, maybe.
1: Interrogation yeah. style. Yeah. Like, they might have answered a few questions here and there, but there was no, like, they actually have the interrogation footage on YouTube, and it's, like, way later. It's, like, way later on. It's not right after the death. Really? So, yeah. So, December 31st, the Ramseys lay Jean Bonnet to rest at a cemetery in Marietta, Georgia where this was so weird to read because I have lots of family in Marietta. Um, I read something really fascinating. Um, and it's honestly, I'm going to derail us just a little bit, but I think it's mm. interesting to observe and examine. Um, straight from their own book that the Ramseys wrote called The Death of Innocence. In, uh, they wrote it in 2000.
0: They wrote a book?
1: They're Oh yeah, they wrote a book. They will we'll hit up the year 2000 and a little bit. They had quite the year in 2000, um, but in their book, they make reference to um, their account of a falling out. They ended up happening with Priscilla and fleet white, the family that was there the day searching for oh. huh.
2: Um
1: The Ramses friends in Atlanta that they had, uh, had offered to house any families that were going to be flying in from Colorado um, for the funeral and so the whites were going to stay with the ramsey's closest uh friends in atlanta they were the westmorelands and shortly after their arrival uh priscilla white got into an altercation apparently with kimberly westmoreland um and decided to leave and check into a hotel so perhaps Tensions were just like really high. They were coming off of this super emotionally stressful time, traumatic. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was so shocking to think that like the people that had been there with you through like that day, that all of a sudden they start having a falling out with your family, friends on the, you know, right after your daughter's funeral. It's just, it struck me. Um, The Westmoreland family ended up hosting a sort of brunch following JonBenet's funeral. And this further exacerbated the whites' feelings about the Westmorelands and the whole funeral affair. They noted that the, quote, opulence of the get-together bothered them immensely. Hmm. And like I was kind of saying to you, I just think that the deterioration of that friendship, one that was bonded by what so many would consider one of the most traumatic things that uh, friends could ever go through together, is so striking to me. I mean, it definitely colors the tension and, like, what was at stake for the whites because they were there the day of this whole investigation on the twenty sixth and the discovery of the body. So I'm sure that they were like realizing in real time that they were potentially going to be looked at or any, any number of things. They they were very close to the case, but um, from what I researched, many believe that the whites became frustrated with the Ramses because just days after the initial investigation, the Ramseys lawyered up and they were fairly uncooperative with the Boulder police. Um, And so there was also speculation that the whites themselves were maybe coming to terms with the feeling that something wasn't quite right about that day, December 26th. I'm sure they replayed the day countless times in their heads. And this is really creepers. This is purely speculatory, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think there's something worthwhile Bringing up about that, what do you think? I don't think you're
0: the only one who feels that way. Because now that you're referencing it, I'm kind of thinking more and more about again the the I, I'm a one man like promo machine for this damn movie. But like, I think they detailed that as well. Like the immediate suspicion and like kind of growing distrust of the neighbors and like family friends who were on the like the scene day of, and like they were kind of like accidentally catching the Ramses in like maybe what seemed like a lie or like some information that just didn't make sense. And they were like, well, didn't you just say that she was here at like this time, but you found this at 5. AM, right? Like they were like confirming things and they really depicted that really well in the movie. So it's coming back to me now. I think there could be something there.
1: Yeah. And, and just like the idea that, that they were so uncooperative with police, I think must've been so frustrating because you're there to support your friends and then you're also going to be a part of this whole mess. So if they're showing that they don't, they're not going to cooperate, it's like you are the company you keep. You know what I mean? I think the whites Mm. were kind of like, oh shoot. Like if they're not going to cooperate, this is not going to look good for us. And like, why aren't they cooperating? And now we got to, we got to kind of show that we're we would be cooperative and we're we're not Mm -hmm. associating with them yeah like nervous by association i was gonna say yes
0: that's like growing tension well it's also it may not even just be that like you know they're they're seeing all this unfold in real time like with the ramses and in the inner circle but there's probably a lot of media coverage going on at this point that's pointing a lot of fingers and making a lot of you know speculation accusations so i can see how the narrative could certainly be twisted by what they're watching on television every single day, while they're literally living this with the Ramses and like going to the kid's funeral. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, just that that whole day of the thirty first must have been like, I I cannot imagine was what she that ever, would have been like
0: to. Was she exhumed? Sorry,
1: I don't think she's been exhumed. Um Never. you know it's weird I don't I didn't do I feel like I almost didn't do a ton of research on the burial and whatever because the one thing I do know is that she was buried in one of her pageant gowns which I just that always just really freaked me out and maybe I subconsciously didn't go down that road to yeah, learn that more feels dark. Um, that feels dark. Yeah just uh, I don't know Um it
0: adds to anyways. the the weird um I don't know, a morbid glimmer of it. I don't don't know what the right word is. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's it's glamorizing. Is morbidity a word? Probably not. It should be morbidity.
1: It is (laughs) morbidity.
0: morbidity, (gasps) Morbidity—the after-show of Creep Time. (laughs) But you know what I mean, uh, that's though? That's going
1: to be one of those words that you say it enough that it doesn't sound real morbidity. It, morbidity, it doesn't
0: sound morbidity. real. But I I have a thing where, like, I say words sometimes and I, I question constantly. I'm like, that's not a real word. And then I always look it up and it always yeah. is. So, like, somehow it seeped in.
1: Well, that's because you're a little smarty.
0: Oh, my God. It's the Hanun's. It's unlocking <laughs> the other 90% of it's my brain that vocabulary. I don't use. It's <laughs>
1: vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay um, alright so I'm going to continue us with the events of mm-hmm. 1997 which is going to be the year of like the intense investigation surrounding the Ramses and the media frenzy that would capture the nation so January 1st the day after the funeral Patsy and John Ramsey gave a 45 minute interview to CNN this interview was in my opinion this is just my opinion bizarre um, Patsy appeared to be I think, on sedatives of some sort, which I absolutely would not blame her for, to be honest. I mean, she just seemed so dazed. And I think it was also just like one more thing uh, that could be, you know, something people could point to that made it look like they had some sort of involvement. Um, mm-hmm. They were just sort of, because she was sedated, it was like the the natural emotion of like just having your child be murdered just didn't come through really and um John Ramsey showed some emotion um honestly like some of the most emotion I saw in all the interviews I watched from him he's a pretty stoic guy um I also just want to give a little bit of a background on the two of them um cuz I know I sort of did earlier but I haven't yet and you know I love a backstory I think it really helps paint a picture hmm. um so Patsy was also a bona fide pageant queen. Um, and she definitely had the sort of like stage mom vibe, vicariously living through her daughter, some might say. Mm-hmm. She was former Miss West Virginia uh, and a devout Christian woman. John Ramsey, like I said, was a very successful businessman, former Navy man, um, and very stoic, kind of like unmoved is the word I would just say about him, whether that's mm-hmm. negative or positive. He's just kind of. It's very matter of fact in most of the interviews that I watched of him.
0: Well, I also didn't know that he had already lost a daughter previously. Mm -hmm. That, that really builds some context because that, that changes a man changes anybody.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I, that is a very, very good point. I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah. So he's, he's experienced this kind of trauma before. Um, certainly not in this like horrific of circumstances, but yes. Um, Patsy, on the other hand, was like very social. She seemed to care about her appearances, both literally and figuratively. Um, I'll also touch on a couple of other interviews that I watched with the two of them and dissect their emotions. But I did just want to give you like a little bit of background about them. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's helpful. So moving on to March of 1997. Um this is when handwriting analysis is done on the ransom note.
0: Let's get into it. And let's get, cause yeah, this is, this is, this is
1: where it happens.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> so this analysis would eliminate John, but not Patsy Ramsey. Patsy's inability to be completely eliminated as the ransom note author is one of, I guess you would call it like the linchpin in this case against the Ramseys. Mm-hmm. Um, Her writing samples have been studied over and over again. Handwriting experts have noted that her A's uh, and certain ways that her letters would kind of touch against each other match the exact way the ransom note authors did. Uh, Patsy would end up submitting five handwriting samples between March and May of 1997 after investigators determined that the first couple of samples were questionable. Um,
0: Like she was trying to skew, skew her handwriting? Well,
1: Potentially that, or from my research, uh, investigators claim that she appeared sedated, which I was like, oh my God, when I read that, because I was like, that makes sense that she might have been, you For the know, the interview. She might have been or on something. something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which again, I also and agree honestly, with you. I, c- I could not blame yeah. any parent who just lost a child from like needing an immediate sedative. Totally. But it's odd to me that her, her legal team or even like her husband would be like, we should go on television when you're in this state. Yeah. That's that's odd. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of questionable decisions that her either her lawyers or I I can't I still can't tell from the research. I need to go back if they had like a legit PR firm they were working with. I saw like the detective that really did not like them. He used that phrase a lot, which I don't want to like quote him because I don't know if they actually had a PR firm. But whoever was telling them the decisions to make,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they either were like, I think way overprotective with them in certain moments where they didn't speak truth to power at all or they like, yeah, totally jumped the gun and put themselves in a compromising position. Yeah, it like, could have been a, with her like being
0: a, a PR crisis manager. I follow um, mm-hmm. a couple of them on TikTok and there's this woman who's really good at it, but that that position has been around for a long time. And usually they're there to protect okay. companies, but not usually like individuals. Maybe that's what yeah. it was. Were they paid for that interview on CNN?
1: I don't know. I mean, I back not. in like the that heyday
0: was- the heyday of television, like that would have been big time ratings. So it's dark to think about them being paid for an interview the day. It was the day after her funeral, right? Yeah. It's dark to think about, but if they were paid, it would have been a very, very large sum, like probably seven yeah. figures
1: as if they needed, <laughs> they needed it. But no. yeah. Oh, God. I hope they weren't paid. Um, so Let's see. Um, okay, so on April uh, 19th of 1997, the DA's office, um, Boulder D- uh, District Attorney's Office, led by DA Alex Hunter, labeled Jean Benet's parents as the prime suspects of this case. Now... This again, I was going to say in my uh, research here, I said this is a fact that blew my mind, but it's already blown yours. We'll address it. They had not sat down for a formal interview with police at this point, and their first one would be conducted on April 30th, 1997, which was four months since the death of their daughter. Okay. Over the next several years, the investigation and the media storm surrounding would grow more and more intense, and it wasn't until September of 1998 that a grand jury comprised of four men and eight women began their investigation. They poured over evidence for the next year, studying the autopsy, DNA evidence, that 911 phone call. During that time, Burke Ramsey, Chambonnet's nine-year-old brother, was also questioned.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about Burke. And it wasn't, mm -hmm.
1: yep. Um, It wasn't until October of 1999, after studying all the evidence, with a primary focus of determining if Patsy and John Ramsey could be indicted that the DA's office announced that the grand jury had completed their investigation and they quote, did not have sufficient evidence to warrant filing of charges. So there we go. (laughs) Speechless Uh, is speechless. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what really left me speechless. They released those papers, some of the indictment papers, Mm -hmm. um, like around the time of the 20th anniversary and just looking at them and reading the like claim. And then, you know, the DA has to either sign off and say, you know, this is legit. It's going to go to trial or I think it's called a no no bill or something. It's got a weird phrase, hmm. but uh, or sign that and say it's not capable of going to trial. There's not enough evidence. It's just chilling to look at those. Like I was just like, oh, my God. I can't believe
0: um, everything about this case. The, everything it touches just feels infamous. I I did look up while you were you were like reading for a second. Yeah. I was like, where they paid for that interview? It sounds like they weren't paid, but it sounds like part of the reason they did the interview was they were since it was still unsolved and still is unsolved. They were offering a reward, so this was like a oh p- they did yeah it was a PR thing. It sounds it looks like where they were offering fifty thousand dollars for anybody who had a tip. That could lead to like mm. something in the case, so that makes a little more right. sense, maybe. Okay, but when they did do their well, interview with Doctor Phil, it looks like they were paid.
1: I was going to say, I bet you they were paid a lot in the year two thousand. Let me just tell you that This is the year they, they capitalized they on all of it? Been. I'm yeah, I'm unfortunate. I'm I'm sad to say that, but I mean, I think that that's that's undeniable that they had a year of kind of you know like countless interviews their book coming out um, whether or not that points to, you know, guilt or innocence. I mean, they definitely were, no, I mean, they were are, not hush hush about the case.
0: There are case. plenty of parents who suffered the loss of a child who have written books and it's not necessarily sensationalism. A lot of it comes from like trying to help other people who have also suffered the loss of a child. Right. So I don't think that's the issue, but I'm, and I'm also thinking about it from the perspective of like, what is this like four years after When was it? 94, or 96, 96,
1: 96, yeah.
0: So four years after in 2000, it's very possible it's that- It's still pretty fresh. It's pretty fresh, but I can imagine that people probably did not want to associate with the Ramses because it's, they're such a divisive family. So I can imagine mm-hmm. John's business probably wasn't doing too well. And it sounds like Pat didn't work, I'm assuming. Or did she work? I don't think she worked. I don't think she did either. So if that's the case, I can certainly see why they would have been in a tough spot where, yeah, they might have needed to sell a book, which is very dark and insidious to think about. But I'm thinking about yeah. it realistically from their perspective.
1: I think they also said in one of the interviews I watched that they wrote the book, I think, to spread you know the the facts of the case and the word about the case in the hopes that if their killer was still among us, that you know it would help people potentially find him yeah that um, sounds
0: like the PR crisis so. manager putting out a statement exactly
1: yeah. exactly I know the
0: game Don't, you can't fool me people
1: <laughs> oh my lord okay let me see where I was um
0: yeah sorry I just keep ripping you off this track my bad no
1: please please i <laughs> okay. please I I want to not talk too much because I can give you a ton of uh you know research and stuff but I think where the the magic is when you and I can actually like Talk about this stuff and be like, did you think that like, am I crazy to think that was interesting?
0: Well, that's the amazing thing about this case is like this case specifically, you could study it like you've said this before for Zodiac too. You could spend your lifetime studying this case. And Mm -hmm. I feel like at the end of it, you're still never going to feel like you have a concrete answer here, which is what's insidious about it. That's what makes it feel gross.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Another thing I want to point out about the investigation is that there were a handful of different detectives. I know I told you this at the beginning that would end up resigning from the case due to the lack of cooperation from the Ramses, uh-huh. the way they felt like it was a botched job from the get go without much hope of getting control over it and stabilizing the investigation. And then on the other hand, there were other detectives that felt like the Ramses were unfairly targeted. And, um, that the notion of a sexual predator or an intruder could have done this were tossed to the wayside unjustly. Um, Notably, there was a detective, Lou Smith, and um, I actually quoted him earlier about the ransom note, which is kind of ironic because he ends up being in the camp of the intruder theory. Hmm. Um, But he uh, uh, was asked to come out of retirement by the DA's office in 1997 to assist with the investigation. Smith believed the intruder theory, and he would end up resigning, and later going to work for the Ramses directly, which was as odd. what a private um, eye. He worked for he worked on the they had their own private investigation team, and he worked with them.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. He stated that he believed the Ramsley Ramses were unjustly painted as the focus of the case. And uh, he stated in an interview with Katie Couric in 2000, uh, he believed the marks on Jean Bonnet came from a stun gun, which was used during her killing uh, to get her down to the basement. Hmm. Unheard. Uh, I okay. mean, that's that's
0: compelling. Here's, like, I can I can see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That interview creepers. Let me tell you, the interviews from the year 2000. If you're looking for something to do after you listen to this case, if you're not, if we haven't satisfied or scratched the itch, those interviews, go watch them. Um, I list them here pretty much for you, but uh, this is the next one in uh, 2000 interview with Larry King. This, I watched this three times because it's that compelling uh, detective. Steve Thomas uh, went toe to toe with the Ramses on live television Claiming that he believes without a shadow of a doubt that Patsy Ramsey flew into a fit of rage and killed John Binet over bedwetting. Now the interview is fascinating. It really pulled me in so many different directions while I was watching it. And like I was saying, the year 2000 was a big one for the Ramseys. They published their book, The Death of Innocence. They went on and had interviews with Larry King, Barbara Walters, yeah. Nine News, Colorado, all within that year. And I watched all of them. Um, so it's really if you're looking to learn more about this, I would highly recommend watching those interviews because I don't think there's anything more credible than the actual words that are coming out of the Ramsey's mouths. If you're somebody that's like still grappling with what you think about them or their credibility. Um, mm. Have you ever seen any of those interviews?
0: I don't think so. Unless I've seen snippets of them. I've definitely seen the one that happened immediately after the funeral. And I agree. She Pats Patsy does seem kind of vacant. So I can certainly understand the sedative theory. Um, I've never seen this Larry King one where they're like getting accused on live television. That's
1: it's crazy. Wild. That's
0: crazy. It's
1: absolutely nuts. They're sitting there with, so at that time, that is some Nancy gray stuff
0: right there. Cause that's, it is that's Nancy the Grace. stuff that Nancy I, pulls.
1: Actually, Patsy said in the interview, she was like, I, if this is going to become a Jerry Springer thing, I'm not going to do it. Like I remember her saying that in the interview because It's literally the detective that always thought that they did it. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book that year that was like Jean Bonnet's murder and like very clearly painted the picture that they were killed by. He literally says to Patsy on live television, she says to him, I want you to look me like straight in my eyes and tell me what you think happened. And he said, Oh, I'll tell you. I think you're good for it.
0: That that is wild that is actually i mean
1: insane
0: but that's that's the thing it's so volatile that people really do believe and they are convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that like of course the parents did it i mean look at all of this evidence look at like a pen and paper found in the home patsy's handwriting like all all signs point to the parents so i can see why people are like feeling vindictive towards them Mm -hmm. i get it
1: yeah and the and the really interesting thing about that um the ending of that interview, Larry King kind of ties it up perfectly. I he's like, Larry
0: King was even in the room. <laughs> is, he, is he just yeah, mo- he's he's like moderating? moderating the whole oh, my
1: thing. God. <laughs> he's, yeah. Oh, sorry, not mediating, moderating the whole thing. That's and he, You can tell that he's like, uh, this is the craziest television I've ever produced in my life. Like, yeah. It's He doesn't even know when to go to break. He's just like so enthralled with it. So definitely check that interview out. But um, at the end, he basically says because they have such obvious tension with Steve Thomas, uh, they're not going to be questioned by him ever again. But he says, Larry King says, if you went tomorrow, would you go tomorrow to Boulder police if Steve's not there? And would you sit down for an interview? Because that was the whole thing. They could never get them asses in the seats for Mm -hmm. an interview long enough. Um, And they say, yeah, they're like, yes, we would do it. And, it's sort of like the vibe you get from Steve is like it's a cold day in hell before they're gonna be interviewed anymore by the Boulder police. So,
0: yeah, he's like, um, How about you follow up on this after we cut cameras and see like what really right, goes right. on? Interesting.
2: Okay,
1: yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, okay, so finally, we're gonna get to the theories. Thank you for sipping. We're at this. theory. Oh my oh, god, my
0: god. <laughs> <laughs> wait, we just hit the two hour mark, too. We're right around.
1: I know, I know.
0: This is a juicy Creepers one. Take a
1: sip. Oh man. <laughs> Whew. So really, I mean, that's kind of the thing about this case. I There's really only two main theories. And of course, there's like other like conspiracy theories like Katy Perry and the oh, yeah. random suspects and whatever. But the two main theories that people go off of, I want to explore with you. Um, it's either that the murder was, of course, done by the Ramses themselves or an intruder had broken into the home and committed this horrible crime.
0: And when we say the Ramsays, um, we're not just saying the parents, we're also including the brother Burke as well.
1: I'm going to break it down because okay. I think that they have all been pointed at and they they're all been suspicious and stories of each of their guilt has been painted in the media. Okay. Either individually or as a combo. As a unit, so, yeah. I mean I mean there's yeah. no way
0: that Burke didn't if it, it was a case that Burke did this. There's no way that the parents weren't involved in some
1: way to help cover right. it up, you know? Right, right. So let's see. Um, I I really want to focus on motive here because I think that's what makes it so unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, easy to construct a motive for a potential, you know, intruder or a pedophile or, uh, you know, criminal. I think it's harder to sit with Trying to create and craft the motive from the child's own father, mother, and brother. So, um, let's first take a look. Okay,
0: I, I kind of yeah. feel the opposite. So, I'm, let me let me pl- let me play devil's advocate here. All right,
1: okay, I'm excited. Well, it makes sense that it would be that just statistically, like scientifically, if a child dies, the probability of it being someone in the family is much higher than it being just like a random act. That's I true. know you have discussed that with me too. That is like, true. so I see if that's where you're thinking like purely from a just data perspective it's mm-hmm. much more likely that it would be the family but
0: well we are um, a math driven podcast so we
1: are we are <laughs> we have to stick accurate. to the sats
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think when i say it's harder for me to craft the motive it's because they seem so picture perfect on the outside
2: oh but or that's all tan- the
1: more
0: reason listen it's only because yeah, i right. i've read this stuff to filth but like that's all the more reason where i'm like there's something insidious in the underbelly of every picturesque right. family right i gotta write that no, that's down
1: that's so true yeah i was gonna say that's a great insidious underbelly
0: Ooh, also the potential name of our aftermath podcast insidious underbelly
1: <laughs> i was gonna say that's me trying to squeeze into <laughs> my dress i was, in say, vegas I was like honey week. you
0: wait until i'm in, i'm in vegas at a buffet that's insidious underbelly <laughs> that's insidious you're gonna see me at the slots at 4 a.m. <laughs> with a turkey leg in my left hand. It's gonna be foul. <laughs>
1: oh, creepers! Oh my god, the seriousness. It's I tried really hard.
0: We, you you did fanta- Are you kidding? You did amazing. We're, we we okay. have to we okay. have to take breaks where we can like I know. release because it's so heavy. It's so
1: heavy. I know. Insidious Underbelly is gonna really like stick with me though. Freebase like that's gonna send me. That's so. Hard. I'm sorry. (laughs) 207. (laughs) Thank you. (sighs) Uh, That was amazing. It actually came out of my mouth and I was thinking as I said it out loud, you can't do that. It just happened. But you called out the time, so it's perfect. (laughs) I did.
0: (laughs) So it's it's earned. It's warranted.
1: Okay.
0: Let's get into these theories, baby. I'm ready. Here we go.
1: So let's look at John Ramsey. So many believe that the night of December 26th could have been the result of a perverted sexual act by John Ramsey gone wrong. His okay. unsettling nature that was kind of described by uh, Linda Arndt and the compromising of the crime scene on the morning of December 26th has been the source of scrutiny by those that have kind of pointed their fingers at John. Um, if you recall uh, that investigator, that arrived the morning she had stated actually i don't think i include this earlier but she stated that he was quote cordial and then in that interview the interviewer presses her and she goes uh distraught kind like traumatized and she just looks at her and goes cordial that's the only word she can use to describe him
0: okay i mean i guess i'm kind of thinking that is synonymous with what you said before like Would you say stoic or unmoved, I think you said? I said said
1: stoic or unmoved. Yeah, like just kind of neutral. He is very like neutral. That's very Um,
0: Southern dad in my mind. Yes,
1: yes. So the only other part of... So yeah, so I didn't really... The cordial thing didn't really bother me. It was more that Linda later said that when he brought the body up, they were both like super close. Their faces were very close, like over Jean Bonnet. And she said that she, quote, shared a nonverbal exchange with him over the body. What? So I think what's to be inferred by that is that it was a moment of, I know you did it. And looking in his eyes and taking in the fact that, him taking in the fact that she knew that he did it. Is what I inferred from her comment. This is fascinating. Oh my God. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like I'm astral projecting. I feel like I'm seeing it through yeah. her eyes, which is nuts. That's just, I know. that's just a testament yeah. to your storytelling, though.
1: <laughs> oh well, you should watch that interview too, because her eyes are speaking of eyes, huge. Like and as she describes it, it's like so. She's reliving intense, it. She's so. thinking about it, yeah. Reliving it, yeah. Um, however, touch DNA analysis would later rule out John Ramsey as the potential killer. And I do have to say that I remember for a long time thinking it was him. As I watched these interviews, it became more and more clear to me that if out of either one of them, John was the more believable and Patsy seemed more disingenuous, um, just going to say that John seemed way more believable to me as I was watching the interviews. And I kind of came to the theory that I didn't think that he had an involvement or it wasn't like him that initiated the killing, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. he could have been involved some other way, but I didn't feel like he did this to his daughter. Gotcha.
0: I. It's so interesting thinking about the way people perceive parents that are like experiencing grief when they're depicted on television and in interviews. Cause I, everybody has an expectation of what they want to see, what they expect to see from parents who are grieving Mm -hmm. or in shock. And I can see where, where the critique comes from for Patsy of being distant or aloof or, you know, whatever word you want to use for her. Um, But I also, it's weird to say, but I have this gnawing in the back of my head where I'm like, Patsy is a former, like, pageant girl, like, has a former, like, performer, I guess you could say, and mm-hmm. there is something inherently odd, no matter what the circumstances, something weird that happens to you, like, a, a presentational quality when you're, like, that kind of a person or you grew up in that when you, like, get on camera. I can't explain it. <sighs> Do you That's, know what I mean?
1: I've. I agree with you. Yeah.
0: No matter what, I mean, you could be talking about the most horrific thing, but there's something that changes in your brain. And I really think it's developed in childhood when you're like growing up as a kid in theater or pageants, you know what I mean? So I kept thinking about yeah. that for Patsy, like why she might seem performative or like presentational, you know, or have like yeah. a, um, is decorum the right word? Like an elevated yes, decorum. decorum? yeah, decorum, for
1: sure. yeah. I think also she cares very much about like, you know, how she presents at, just in every yeah, way. That's what and I think. So keep that's thinking in about. the back of her yeah. mind as she's talking. Second nature
0: um, in a weird way, like may not yes. even be cognizant of it.
1: Yes. Um so well, let's talk about Patsy. So the Patsy I was like, with that said,
0: let's nail her. Let's, talk about Patsy. let's, let's nail let's, Patsy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. So Patsy's suspicion has always felt the most damning to me. Mm-hmm. Um Perhaps it's the stage mom pageantry element and the perceived living vicariously through her daughter, but there is real vitriol around Patsy and the motives she might have had in jean Bonnet's death. Many have speculated, notoriously Steve Thomas, the detective I was just referencing, um, that Patsy had killed Bonnet after becoming enraged with her due to a bedwetting episode. He believed she was emotionally heightened, Patsy was emotionally heightened mm-hmm. due to her... 40th birthday approaching, the busy holiday season, exhausting Christmas Day, and what he believed an argument with Jean Bonnet over a bed, bed wedding incident. Uh, the result was a quote, explosive encounter in the child's bathroom that resulted in a mortal head wound. Uh, Mr. Thomas and others speculated that Mrs. Ramsey panicked after her daughter fell unconscious, which led her to write that ransom note suggesting that Jean Bonnet had been kidnapped after which he said she, quote, faced a major problem of what to do with the body. Uh, Thomas and others speculated that on the way to placing her in that remote room of the basement, that Patsy realized Bonnet was still alive. Um, only feet away from her uh, paintbrush tote, she grabbed a paintbrush, broke it uh, to fashion that garrotte, and got some cord, and then she looped the cord around the girl's neck uh, to make it look like a kidnapping. He said that she tied the girl's wrists and then put tape over her mouth. What do you make of that?
0: Something is going on with me, <laughs> where I'm like <laughs> <laughs> everything you're
1: <laughs> something is going on with you. I love it.
0: Everything you're describing, I just I can't explain it. I just feel like I'm there. I just I I just. I don't know. I feel like I can just see it playing out in real time. It's the weirdest experience that I'm having right now. But I I can totally see that. Was the tape um, and the cords that were around her hand, those were also found in the basement? Like, it was, like, in, in pro- improvisation? They just...
1: Were... Oh, I should know this. I actually... Well, baby, if you if don't, were...
0: we've got the power of Google, honey.
1: Oh, my God. Look up on the interwebs. Okay. Um...
0: Here, you saw, I'll look it I feel up. Like,
1: I feel like it would be in the house because like they had first of all that basement had so wait, also give me that basement. Um
2: I, I was gonna say I was had like, had so, I wonder how long it's gonna take.
1: <laughs> I know. It had so much stuff in it, like so many tools, the paintbrushes, that just like. Yeah, it kind of seems like
0: a supply closet. I can't That's imagine. what I was imagining.
1: Yeah. There was like a hobby room. Like I can't imagine that they didn't have just like a ton of like stuff lying around down there, but
0: let's see. The tape ends. It doesn't mention whether the duct tape was found from the basement, but it just says there's something strange Mm. about, like, the ripping of the tape or something. But I'd have to look more into that. Okay. Odd. Hmm. We'll get back to you guys about that one. I'm very curious. But, I mean even so i don't know i mean cuz so much of this seemed like improvisation i don't know if that tells us a story one way or the other if this was patsy or this was an intruder but i can definitely i can absolutely see a scenario i guess where patsy became hysterical but i also i kept thinking while you were saying that i was like is this like the abigail adams effect where people just like want to blame like women going hysterical for like murder mm-hmm. <laughs> or like it's it's something that would be like seemingly inconsequential they're like her 40th birthday was coming up, so she killed her daughter. I am like, y'all, I will say, <laughs> we need we to pause I'm, and, like, touch grass.
1: I'm actually very <laughs> glad you brought that up because what I will say is that the Steve Thomas, like, interview on Larry King, his demeanor is not one that you would expect from a like, detective that's supposed to remain true to the facts. He definitely had some sort of vendetta, like, towards patsy i mean he's like when i say vitriol like he was like gunning for her in that interview um mm. and yeah his quote about the 40th birthday i had the same thought i was like okay like that's a lot we don't need to do that i but. mean it's just
0: like the, the difference of motives when they talk about like the father versus like the mother i'm like it just seems kind of absurd to think that this woman had such a thin grip on reality that her 40th birthday and christmas drove her to murder i i mean i i know that we've had cases where there have been all kinds of people who have done gone ballistic and done crazy things for very like small reasons but that seemed a little like wild to me i think the thing that drives it is that people are trying to rationalize how so much of this points back to patsy specifically that ransom note because that ransom note to me has always been will always be the oddest detail of this case You can't refute it. I've seen those handwriting samples.
1: I know. And they've been studied and studied and studied. And like handwriting experts years and years later have said there are just two. I think the one I was looking at was from like a 2020 interview in 2016. And the woman had compared, she said there were, okay, don't quote me, but it was over either 100 or (laughs) or over 200 similarities between the two. Like literally down to the amount of space between like some of the letters was like pretty much exactly the same yeah, you know it's i, I just remember stuff that-
0: yeah i read an article about it and it was talking about i forget which letter it was but it was the i think the way she wrote her e's or like something like that and it was like statistically based on like people who analyze handwriting they were like it's very rare that people write e's like this like it's only a very small like select group of people so the chances of this intruder and patsy both being people who write their E's Mm -hmm. in this way was like astronomical. Like they were like it would be so so rare
1: yeah there um i think it was actually a g maybe it was something that was probably something i think it was a g uh where it almost kind of looked like a q like the way that she wrote it was, was the same way that the um ransom note author wrote it
0: fishy but do you really think she acted alone and it sounds like from that theory you just pitched it sounds like she acted solo in that like through all the way through the staging of the body even the potential sexual trauma what's the tie-in there
1: well i mean i think that that could have been kill her and then do something horrific to make it look like somebody yeah which is just i mean that's so freaking dark like not
0: off the table but dark
1: yeah um i think the thing that does the thing that's really dark about that but i'm like kind of tracks is the wiping of the evidence that like i just that always was odd to me because i feel like if you're a pedophile and you've done something like Mm -hmm. sexual i don't know i just feel like you don't clean up After yourself. I know that sounds so grotesque, but like I just the the wiping to me almost felt like it could have been a moment of, oh my God, I cannot believe what I've done here. I cannot leave, you know, this this baby in this kind of like state. I know that sounds so weird. No,
0: no, no, no. I I'm tracking. I I almost wondered if it was like fingerprints. Trying to remove Mm -hmm. fingerprints was what I was thinking. And I it also made me start to think, I was like, I wonder if the same. I don't know if they ever found out like what was used to wipe, but like if that same residue from the wipe was also found on other objects in the room, specifically whatever was used to strangle her to try to mm-hmm. remove fingerprints, because mm-hmm. that's where my mind is going.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, if I was on the case, that's what I would look for. I know, I know. They should but have what hired me back say, then when I was two.
1: <laughs> I should, can you imagine? We would have been, <laughs> we would have been all over this. Um, I I will say I think if Patsy did it. That I think, I just, I I don't see a world where, like, she was able to pull it off all alone. Like, I think that her husband would have had to be an accomplice of some sort.
0: Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was a case where maybe, like, he didn't know at some point. I think maybe he might have discovered her in the setup. But people do really crazy, when they, like, do something horrible, even if it's by accident, and then they, like, go, they, like, cross a threshold, you know, where they're, like, I have to cover it up. And they've gone too far to the point where they're like, I can't go back almost. They start doing crazy things. I read about this really dark case. This is very, very dark. So I'll warn everybody. But Mm -hmm. I, I think it was a father who had like snapped and he killed his daughter. She was pretty young, like four. And the mother was not home. And he, something shifted, like broke in his brain where he was trying to cover it up, but was not thinking logically. He tried to flush her down the toilet. Which oh you God. can't flush a human child down a toilet. That's something that, like, only a person who's disconnected from reality would think. But that's that was his logic. He was like, I know. To hide the body, I'll flush her. And, like, she was found, like, in the toilet. Like, it's so—I'm sorry. I know that's really dark. But that was the only thing I was thinking about Patsy. I was like, people start to do— really insidious things to bodies mm-hmm. when they're like not thinking logically and they're freaking out and getting desperate and their their right? mind starts going i think
1: that the, the garat thing also is always just yeah that is so crazy to me that like you who, would, who me, would know that is that a boy like scout
0: a, thing or is that like
1: i don't i don't know i mean it's from what i've i've i asked a couple people like what is that and hmm. i the uh, context they had. Oh yeah, it's like a weapon, and like I've I've seen it in video games or in movies or whatever. Like it's basically kind of like a like a thing you use to strangle someone super fast. Yeah, and get out of somewhere. Um, but I just think it's so bizarre. What I still can never get over is the idea that they fashioned it with something already in the house. That this intruder would have come in so ill prepared, and would have had to just like on the fly break a paintbrush and like get the cord and figure out how to strangle her. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Unless it was somebody, which is even crazier to think. I I know we're super leaning towards, like it was somebody who was super familiar with the space, AKA a family member, unless it was a family friend who had also been like plotting this long term Mm -hmm. and was scoping out the place. Like I can perform this to make it look like beyond a shadow of a doubt. It was the parents because who would believe an intruder would come in and use a pen and paper in the kitchen. I know this sounds far-fetched, but if this, no, were, I don't think if it this does. were true, this is wild. Like a family friend who has like a long tail effort of like, I'm going to know, I know that there's a pad of paper and a pen in that kitchen to write a note. It's
1: totally possible. I know that they there's duct tape in the They of their house all the time. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's and Christmas I, time.
0: They also, from what I remember, that room that she was found in was partially used as a wine cellar. So I think mm-hmm. I remember that the father- when he would have company over, kind of like take the boys for a tour kind of thing, like show them some of his mm-hmm. like vintage wines. Like this is a, like a, an 85 that I have, like something like that.
1: Yeah. So, I, I, I didn't come across that, but that makes perfect sense. Well,
0: that's because I'm just a conspiracy theorist here. Just, just wailing.
1: <laughs> I I love it. You bring me Katy Perry and the wine cellar. I know. I'll take it. <laughs>
0: we can't get into the Katy Perry <laughs> one because that will tip no, us off we the we won't. Edge. I refuse.
1: I refuse. Off the
0: edge. Creepers, don't
1: you dare right. ask for it. <laughs> We won't. Creepers don't. We're going to move into Burke. So, remember that bowl of pineapple that I told you we would revisit?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Burke, who was nine years old at the time, his fingerprints were found on that bowl of pineapple from the night before. So, it was believed that perhaps Burke was very jealous of Jean Bonnet that they didn't have the greatest sibling relationship because of the way her parents idolized and favored her um the theory was that Burke and Jean Bonnet had a late night snack after arriving home from the party and that there was some sort of altercation that caused Burke to deliver a fatal blow to Jean Bonnet's head perhaps with there was a flashlight that was found on the same kitchen counter yes, um, the by flashlight. the five pineapple I
0: forgot about that oh my mm-hmm. god
1: yep and um what they could you know Burke's parents could have realized then what had happened and then had to stage the kidnapping scene to protect Burke. Um, in an interview with Doctor Phil in 2016, uh, Burke was appeared to be super awkward and uncomfortable. I've seen. The, um, I've I seen this that one, one it was too. Really yeah, really bizarre, weird, very, very bizarre. He is notably smiling, nervous, laughing, um, and then, of course, in the 911 call, people believe that you could hear him in the background. Though the Ramseys... Saying, am I going to go to gone, jail? Yeah. Or am I going to be arrested? Yeah. Um, did they ever take a polygraph Ramseys, test, any of them? Do you know? They did. They, I think they did, but it was only done... It was conducted by their own investigation team. So they were oh, okay. Hired. So
0: get the hell yeah. out of here.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think, actually, they You FBI, want to give me a polygraph
0: test? Like, <laughs> it's <just> Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, right?
1: It's like, okay. I think the FBI also tried to arrange, like, not the Boulder police, like, the FBI tried to arrange it. And mm-hmm. um, I remember John said something to the effect of like, we're not going to do that because the FBI have been like handholding the Boulder County police is like they've been handholding this whole time. Like they're also in on it, like very sketchy. Um, okay. So yeah, but Burke was um, interviewed also as like a kid, like right after the murder. Um, and he had a couple of statements in his interview. They asked him, you know, what do you think happened to Jean Benet? And he said that he thought that a, that she had been hit in the head with a hammer. Like it was just, a lot of people felt like it felt rehearsed. Like someone had told him exactly what to say. Um,
0: Is there footage of I didn't of really this? see
1: that though. Is- yep, there's footage of it. You can watch, there's a couple of different pieces of footage. There's one and where- It felt
0: pretty genuine. I trust that you're like a pretty good, like judge of this actually. I would I would really trust like your instinct on this.
1: It felt, it felt about as genuine as it could for what I believe is a very awkward and shy kid and person we would later see in that Dr. Phil interview. Mm-hmm. Interview. I mean, he's kind of like his body language. He's like shuffling around in the seat like he's very uncomfortable. But I think that's natural, like a nine-year-old boy. Like he's like, what the heck am I doing here if he's, you know, um, not aware like of his, exactly what's going on yeah,
0: like innocent well also i mean if at that point he already knew his sister was dead like that's that's really traumatic for a child and you start yeah you, there's a lot of realizing. things that happens to you when when like you realize a close family member is dead at that age
1: right right um he did another one where the investigator is like pressing him to talk about the pineapple and it's it, it feels very like leading the witness it felt just a little odd, but there was something mm-hmm. else in that, that, uh, questioning that was bizarre to me. I can't remember it. Well, now. that pineapple
0: of- is with the fingerprints on the pineapple on the bowl.
1: I'm assuming. Well, it's weird mostly because they say that they didn't feed, like they went on record the Ramsey saying we did not feed John Bonet pineapple. Like they said that multiple times. Okay. But I mean, it was found undigested in her stomach, like she had just eaten so, pineapple. Whether or not okay, they fed it, or have she got up and Burke was having a snack and she went in, something went wrong. Like, but she had some something that looked like pineapple in her stomach that was undigested, so it would have been hours before she was killed.
0: Okay. And we think that she was killed around sometime just before 5 a.m. is like the loose timeline. So this, put, this puts her and the pineapple in the kitchen at around 2, 3 a.m. maybe?
1: I would assume. But then again, I think back to Linda Arndt's recalling of Bonet when she saw the body. She said that she knew the body had been dead for quite a while. But that makes sense because it was... 1 p.m. at that point when they discovered her yeah,
0: but it was all day and I mean it was well it was yeah. co- I guess it was cold in that basement too there's no heat down in that or I don't even know <laughs> I'm like talking as if I know the home
1: <laughs> I was gonna say you saw that on the Zillow listing
0: <laughs> the Zillow listing that that's dark that first of all that house is way too start. expensive way too expensive for a house where that happened I can't believe yeah. I know they renovated it I know they put a lot of money they refinished the basement I would never be able to enjoy that home Ever, no. I oh don't. I don't want when to we... know. I don't want to know if someone was. Although I do know that happened with my family home. Remember, I told you that.
1: Wait. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like a. She committed suicide.
0: I think there's. I think there are multiple people who died in the home. Yes, yeah, so we think the the wife committed suicide in the home. We don't know where. And the grandmother just died of like natural causes of like old age in the home. But we've never. Oh my god. We've never had any like. Like, not even once have we had, like, an inkling of, like, we feel something in here, you know? And the son was, like, badly, badly burned um, when he was a little boy in that home, too. Like, the house caught fire, and he survived. They got him out, but he was severely burned.
1: Is this the same one where your dad currently lives? Yes. Going back there in a couple weeks. (laughs) Indeed. He says with a smile. (laughs) (laughs) You better pack the high noons in your carry on.
0: We'll be be fine. I mean, truly, I've never felt. Packing one right as you. Yeah, I know. I know.
1: I. It's it's, well, I'm about to kind of go into it with the intruder theory, but um, I watched the the Katie Couric interview about the intruder theory, and she does a walkthrough of the home. It's refinished at this point, but like they're telling her this is where the body was, and she is literally like. She's and Katie Couric is pretty like, you know, she's always got a nice kind of demeanor. Yeah, she's very a, pleasant. a sound you journalist. Tell, she's seen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That she's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be here right now. Like, it's just it's so freaking creepy. Um, can I
0: just say you're going to experience some of this when you do go to Zach's in the museum because they have like it's, it's that exact feeling. And I wish there was a name for that feeling. Where you're kind of in the same space of something that is so infamous in the world of like a famous death or a famous murder or like mass death, like seeing the Kevorkian van, that's shocking. And you're going to be very shocked when you like see that in person. Just warning you.
1: I, I still can't <laughs> believe I'm going. Oh, I can. There's nothing of John Bennett. There's nothing there, right?
0: Of, of John Binet. Um, yeah. Not that I immediately remember but I actually it it's very possible if they do have something it's probably very small because I'm sure anything related to that case a lot of the stuff that he's purchased was put up for auction um mm-hmm. and so he's purchased it on auction he spent a lot of money like they were showing us something because he has like a movie room too where he has stuff from like famous like funny and scary movies and he has like something from Ghostbusters that I think he paid like three million dollars for. It's like three million dollars. Oh my lord. And that's just sitting there behind glass.
1: That's, that's crazy. nutty. I know.
0: But I I mean, if they do have something of from the John Benay Ramsey case, it's probably something very small. Yeah. There's a whole room um, on Charles Manson. An entire room.
1: Oh my lord, are you serious? I'm gonna freak out.
0: Honey, <sighs> they have his remains. His ashes. <sighs> it's dark. It's dark sided oh, in that place. It is dark sided.
1: See you in a week. <laughs> I was gonna say, was,
0: okay. <laughs> you
1: know what's crazy? They're
0: the one, <laughs> the one place where like they're not doing like a brand deal thing with us. <laughs> they're the one place in Vegas uh, right. <laughs> of all the places that would be like in alignment with us. They're the one spot.
1: They've listened to this. They've listened to Creep Time. They're like you guys are hacks <laughs> we know you
0: <laughs> i think that they just they just don't need the buzz they're like we're like giving it to yeah, them they're like naturally
1: totally oh man okay here we go i'm you are sticking with me through this we're on the last page of this research i swear this episode it. is
0: gonna eat they're gonna love it <laughs> this is it um
1: oh my lord okay so I think if you had to ask the court of public opinion, the theory that the Ramses were guilty was because A, they had refused to swiftly cooperate with police and hired their own investigators shortly after the murder and their own lawyers, of course. Uh, B, the length and location of that ransom note pointed to it being done by somebody already inside of the house. And C, the nature of Jean Benet's relationship with their parents and what many people believe was this creepy over sexualization of their six-year-old daughter mm-hmm. um so i guess next i'll launch into the intruder theory and then maybe we can i'm gonna ask you what you think which which way the pendulum swings um and we'll kind of i have one more little thing to throw in there after that but um we'll do the intruder theory so this was one that the detective Lou smith had always believed and the theory goes like this um this beautiful little girl who was highly publicized um, in pageants and in performances around town, was sort of the perfect victim um, for a sexual predator. Um, that Christmas, the Ramses had hosted three parties in their home. John was a high-profile businessman. Patsy was a woman about town. Someone being aware of the Ramses' address, their social status, financial status too, mm. uh, and their precious, beautiful little daughter isn't totally impossible. The intruder could have been stalking the home for months, weeks, watching the Ramsey home. Like you said, could have been somebody that was closer to them than even just that. Um, so when they left for Christmas dinner that evening, the killer entered the basement through a broken window, which at the time of the investigation was ruled out as a possibility because it was so small. I don't know if you remember this from the movie, but there oh, is... I do. Okay. That movie that really missed window. nothing. I
0: don't, again, I don't know who the dramaturg was, but they didn't miss <laughs> a detail.
1: Oh, well, it was made by. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's the big, the big, the big reveal. Uh, <laughs> the big reveal here. Um, Yeah. So there's that little window, which sorry that I didn't mention that earlier, but yeah, there when I knew it was coming, Chaminé I was like, you're going to mention
0: that with the intruder for sure.
1: Yeah. There was evidence that there was a broken window. And if you, creepers can imagine their basement this broken window was like under you'd have to you could see it if you were like standing outside but it's like kind of under the main level like i can't describe it. it's like under the main level foundation oh i've of the seen home, it yeah sort of, like, oh no,
0: no no i remember yeah. what it looked like and it was um it definitely looked too small for a person to get through
1: super small
0: Um, Um, not impossible, I would say, but it looked very small. Forgive me if I'm misremembering this. Were there footprints found on the outside or no?
1: So there was this whole thing about, and I actually didn't include it because I feel like it's kind of a mislead, but this whole thing about footprints in the snow, there actually was one print though, that was like, um, like a high tech boot or something that wasn't one that like John or Patsy would have owned. And I can't remember if it was outside of the home. Or in the home, I almost want to say it was in the home. Um, that's interesting. Don't quote me. <laughs> but well, there was also this: like, there were like footprints. a million
0: people who like walked through that home. So like, how can we trust any of yeah. the footprints?
1: Right, but there was something about footprints being in the snow outside. Yeah, that's what I remember. And how, but it was the snow had been melted for like days and days and days. So uh-huh. like, looking for a footprint in the snow was sort of a mislead. They couldn't really that was circumstantial, whatever they were going to find. There was no way to like prove that it could have been um, something that would have shown the tracks of somebody breaking into the home. So unfortunate. Um,
0: Should have checked at day one.
1: Late- I know later on though, uh, Lou Smith uh, in a documentary on Jean Benet climbed through that window. So he proved that a grown man could get through that window and kind of reopened that it's a plausible theory. Um, in his mind, he thought that the killer would then have had hours enough to write that ransom note, come up with a plan to take Sean Bonnet from her bed in the middle of the night, potentially with that like stun gun if he brought it, um, so that when they arrived home that evening, the killer took Sean Bonnet to the basement, committed this heinous sexual act, then struck the child with either that flashlight or some other blunt object And had time to fashion that garotte with the paintbrush from the tray in the basement to finally kill jean Bonnet off. Um, He kind of pointed to like the scratches on her back and stuff would have proven there was like a sign of struggle. Mm -hmm. So the sexual act could have been being committed. And then she's struggling and then decides to do the final strangulation. Mm -hmm. Some have even speculated that parts of that paintbrush handle were actually broken off by the intruder. Um, there were three parts, basically, when it broke. So there was the part that was fashioned mm-hmm. to the cord to make the garrote. Then there was another part of the paintbrush that was found. And then um, Lou Smith and people that follow the intruder theory believe that the killer would have taken that third piece for themselves as a souvenir. Um,
0: so if they find that, that's yeah. going to be the smoking gun.
1: That would be huge. Um, and it's not just like your run-of-the-mill paintbrush. Like, there was apparently gold lettering on it and it said like something either like manufactured in Korea or like Korea paintbrush like there was something on it Um, so it wasn't just like a piece of wood like it was there was something special about it Um, others that believe the intruder theory have argued that and this gets a little confusing so go with me but that John Ramsey's contamination of the crime scene if it was in fact staged by him it wouldn't make any sense because like why would he then go if he had staged it himself then go and like contaminate and and, like unstage it. So it kind of supports. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Well, I guess. Well, unless like it was, that was impulsive and he's like, his mind is stirring all of a sudden like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like that's never going to hold up. They're never going to believe in that crime scene. Exactly. My best bet is to like she gives me the window, like, just search the house again. Cause he, that's a very clear decision. If he knew she was down there to be like, I'm gonna fake a discovery right now. Exactly. Cause it very well. And I'm gonna
1: lo- contaminate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Disrupt the entire scene, throw a blanket over her. I don't even know if the blanket thing was something he was aware of that that would further contaminate. But yeah. I also was thinking, tell me how you feel about this. Cause now that I'm like playing with the idea of an intruder theory, is it possible that? She was taken down to the basement. These horrible things were done to her in like the quiet of that room. She's dead. And then only after the fact, well, I guess this doesn't really make sense for motive because it would just be like sadistic torture for the parents. But I'm like, do they then go upstairs and like look for something in an, like improvisational way where they're like, Oh, there's a pad and paper here. Let's do something terrible and write a ransom note for a girl. That's already dead. It's right. Like, what is that's, what is the motive there?
1: Yeah, that's been the source of a lot of speculation too. Like, when when did they really intend to ever kill Jean-Benet? Like, did they mm. intend to actually kidnap her? Because when they when they looked at the scene with the broken window, there was like a Samsonite, like really sturdy Samsonite luggage uh, piece under the window, and so they always believed that. If they were trying to get out with jean Bonnet, the idea was step on the damn sturdy luggage, kind of push her through, and then you'll push yourself through um, the window. So, like, maybe kidnapping gone wrong, then decide Mm -hmm. to just finish her off right then and there because they realize it's not going to work. I'm also thinking, oh, this is so dark.
0: Maybe that's the plan. Like, ransom, like... Go upstairs, stun John Bennet at mm-hmm. like in the kitchen while she's eating this pineapple. I mean, that's that's also incredibly like opportunistic and like timely. Yeah. Um, but let's just say it happens somehow. Maybe they're watching through the windows because they're like just stalking and like plotting, yeah. and like they just see a window of opportunity. Go inside, stun her. And then think they're going to do like the ransom thing. It must have been somebody semi close to the family for that one hundred and eighteen thousand. It's just too specific. Like it's either the Ramses or it's somebody who worked very closely to the finance department of the the Ram. Unless like John is just going around being like, I gave myself a one hundred and eighteen thousand dollar bonus and just telling people. It, it like it's just impossible for anybody. to It's know always
1: that. the hundred and eighteen thousand to me is like truly if if the ramses wrote it the 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 worst mistake they could have made cuz it neither proves that it, it it doesn't prove that it was a random thing like it, it just proves that somebody would have known them it would have been close to them or it implicates them
0: yeah it's only a handful or, of people who have that knowledge
1: also just, why would they just everything. ask for why 118,000 if you knew that they were that wealthy why not a random but more you know general number like 200,000 like why 118 it's just weird yeah
0: i mean that to me like really really implicates unless like i said before it's this ridiculous theory that like the entire thing is kind of premeditated to frame the Ramses in a, in a weird mm-hmm. way. Like if it's someone on the in I know this sounds crazy. I re, like creepers. I'm fully aware this sounds ludicrous, yeah. but I, I, I can see a scenario where it's clearly somebody who's on the inside, who is familiar with the home, possibly a family friend, somebody who has previously scoped out the home, maybe even someone who has serviced the home mm. handyman, HVAC person, I don't know, Carpenter, like somebody like that. You know what I mean? Who's been mm-hmm. in the home and like has watched John Binet for a long time. The 118,000 is so specific that it makes me think it's somebody who was clearly on the inner circle, but also somebody who had the intention to write 118,000 to make it look because nobody would write that and think that no one's going to think like, this is going to narrow it back to me. They're going to think it's going to narrow it back to the person who received that bonus. Mm -hmm. that in addition to like intentionally using the pen and the paper found inside the home improvising with things found inside the home it all makes it seem like it's the parents and yet somehow they have not been implicated
1: i think the theory that it was somebody that was in the home either working there or whatever it it also it just hit me when you were saying this that thinking about this being the 90s it's very plausible that they had financial documents lying around. His check, his bonus check, could have been in the house. Didn't even
0: think about that.
1: Didn't, I mean, this didn't even is think not about in that in the day where your pay stub was on. There's was no blind. direct deposit. If, yeah. No, this was yeah. you would your, your bonus check was probably sitting right out there with all the other stuff from. Yeah. Oh, that feels like something.
2: Yeah.
0: Something's like hitting me in my gut with that. That I'm like, that it's on the counter, because that's what that's where I put all my fi- my checks and financial papers. I just stick them. Like I know on my that kitchen sounds nuts, Yeah,
1: like think about it. You just you mm-hmm. get a bill, you come in, you put it down the counter. Or Like even if it's not the bonus, actual bonus check, like a pay stub from that pay period that showed his bonus on it. Like we're right in the pay period where he would have been receiving his bonus check.
0: Mm -hmm. and like right when you just like open up the letter kind of thing and like you just like don't do anything with it just yet it's just sitting there like you're saying yeah you're like oh i'm gonna cash that once the holidays are over like once after new year's or something
1: yeah and like was that letter the pay stub was that potentially sitting in a place where stationary would be and maybe it could have really been just right place right time you've got the opportunity to write it all down and came in with the intention of
0: sexual assault, Mm
1: -hmm. saw
0: an opportunity after she was stunned and unconscious to also extort them for money for ransom. And that's why it seems so improvisational because they're like, here's this check. Oh wait, here's this pen and paper. But also I haven't even thought I was going to do this. Let me write a practice note real quick. No, that's bad. Let me throw that out. Let me write the real note, writes the real note, but I'm still here to do what I came here to do, which is sexually assault her. Takes her downstairs. She wakes up from the stun. Panic. Hits her in the head. Has to finish the job by strangling her. Leaves through that window. Possibly even through the front door. Who the hell knows with how badly they botched this crime scene. But the question is. Is like. All of that. I mean I've never thought about it being a random person in that scenario. That is a crazy theory. I feel like we just uncovered. We probably didn't. But I feel like we just uncovered something. But. If it really was just just opportunistic like that, who is it? Who is the guy?
1: Or or it's random, but it's not so random after all. Like, they, they were out and about town. They had performances she was running to. They had friends and social gatherings. I bet they were so frantically, you know, the holidays, that they're running around doing all these things, office parties, Christmas parties, that, like, whoever this intruder was, if they you know, if that's a real thing, they could have been right under their nose and they just didn't realize it.
0: I saw something online a while ago that talked about the possible connection to the pageants and possibly mm-hmm. another parent from like a rival competitor, a rival child. Oh, wow. And I, I was like, that seems way too far. But some of these people who compete in pageants and put their children in pageants, it's Especially that, if yes. there's like animosity at like hotels between parents or like something doesn't go your way because they like pay to be in these pageants. People do crazy and insidious things.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. There was something else about the suitcase. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the Samsonite the Samsonite. Suitcase, yes. Okay. Yes. Which when I read that, I'm like immediately brought back to I remember my parents having like a whole Samsonite suitcase collection. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs>
0: They, no. when you said it, they are pretty sturdy because I always travel with one to JFK because mm-hmm. I take the air train out of JFK and I use it as a seat oh, on bless. the train. I use it as a seat, <laughs> so I know I know they're sturdy. They can hold up this carcass. They can hold up anybody to a window.
1: <laughs> they can hold that insidious underbelly. <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> You're never gonna let me live uh, that down. <laughs> I won't. It's just
1: too good. It's too good.
0: That sounds like a dish at a restaurant.
1: Like it really does. <laughs> It's so good.
0: It's like the heart but attack were, burger.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um here's the only thing that has kind of ruled out that the intruder came through the broken window, is that there were undisturbed cobwebs like surrounding the window. So if you were trying to squeeze your way through this tiny little window, mm-hmm. like, you know, naturally you'd probably take the cobs of cobwebs with you, but also I'm kind of like. Uh, how how undisturbed can we, like, what what is the scale of disturbed to undisturbed on cobwebs? Like, like I get it, but unless they're yeah. completely ripped down from the, you know, I just think, uh I don't know. I don't know how undisturbed they can be.
0: I also don't know enough about spiders to know how quickly they can repair that crap. You know, like, yeah. I don't, like, spiders are, uh, listen, I I'm just going to say, and this is not, like, I don't take this as serious, like anecdotal yeah. evidence, but I have like stuff outside of my windows, like cobwebs show up there all the time because there are bars outside of my windows. And I go and I decobweb them. They're there the next day. Yeah. Spiders are wild. They're like, try it. Try it, honey. <laughs> <laughs> try like, it. <laughs> like, so I'm just saying, it's very possible between yeah. the time she was killed to the time she was discovered, and however long it took them before these idiots in Boulder were like, let's go check the window. <laughs> where yeah. they were like, "Oh, the cobwebs are back. Couldn't have been the window."
1: Yeah. But I I feel like we just we just crafted a pretty compelling theory around the intruder theory. Like we like more than what I mean, I think we're grasping for straws a little bit, but like you kind of
0: have to in a case like this. You have to.
1: Yeah. Now, finally, I do want to mention John Mark Carr because I actually do. I don't know if you remember this. Um. So I I'm very curious. Should I look your him memory, up?
0: John Mark Carr. If
1: you would like to not sleep tonight, but sure. Um. What? Is in 2000, he 2000- <laughs> he's just creepy, <laughs> creepy as hell looking. In 2006, a former school teacher, John Mark Carr, confessed to the murder of John Benet Ramsey.
0: I remember this. T- yes, I know.
1: I I was gonna say I bet you remember this. At the time, he was living in Bangkok, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um. He had been sending a series of emails to a University of Colorado professor. I think he was a filmmaker uh, doing a documentary on John Bonnet and Carr would send him these emails describing in graphic detail that he had accidentally killed the girl after kidnapping her from her bed. At the time, Carr was evading several charges of possession of child pornography. Um, in he was in Thailand at the time of confession, so Carr was flown back to Boulder arrested for the murder of Jean Benet. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
1: DNA evidence later exonerated him from the murder. Um, And then they discovered that his alibi, he was actually with his family in, ironically, Atlanta for Christmas at the time that the murder was committed.
0: I remember this. Like he had Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he had wasted a lot of resources. And I remember him being on the cover of magazines at the time, not to glorify him, but they were, Covering it because it was like, is this the man, you know, because yeah. who and would why like, is make he in it? Thailand? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, the second you said like American who moved to Thailand permanently, I'm like pedophile. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like child sex trafficking that goes on there. But I remember them. they flew him private, I think, if I'm not mistaken, back to the States.
1: They, OK, that's so funny you mentioned that I didn't include in my research because I didn't want to like um, if I'm sure it's spiral regulatory. into a joke. Well, I'm well, spiraling to a joke, but I also think it's speculatory. Um, I'm sure it's in it's been sensationalized, but they said that he was fed champagne and like prawns or something on his private flight back.
0: An airline is an airline. I know. I you know.
1: <laughs> So <laughs> I was just like oh, something God. my old
0: restaurant manager would say. She'd be like, we never compromise service. Ever. I no matter what. <laughs>
1: He should have been driven back on Spirit Airlines, okay?
0: Honey, don't joke. We're about to be on Spirit
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I have such a glutton for Spirit because, sorry, a levity moment. My friends and I have this whole running joke that we like, you know, like, sorry, I earned it shit, on Spirit 15 something. 1554. 1553. Um, <laughs> But we have this joke that we do that, but then we'll always choose it. We're always willing to put ourselves on a Spirit Airlines because it's cheaper.
0: But it's like twenty bucks cheaper in the long. run. I know. <laughs> in, you tell- in the long
1: run, I know. Because here's the
0: thing about Spirit, they trick you because they don't include nothing is included. Like you're gonna get on there, a and cup they're of like, water isn't included. Oh, they're like, oh, a carry on that's gonna be an extra hundred and thirty dollars. Sorry, exactly. did you have to use the bathroom? That'll be fifty-five. Did you want water to hydrate your human body? That'll be twenty at least. Like. We're taking outrageous. one to Vegas because it's like it's an hour flight. So it's an like, hour. I would. We should. I, I, I would ride a horse to Vegas. Like it doesn't matter. Like,
1: <laughs> 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 but it's also just fitting. I mean, the type spirit. Like we have to fly spirit. I know. I this is creep like, time. <laughs> it's true. Oh god,
0: I really hope that we don't have any like horror stories. I hope we. I hope it's a smooth flight. We get in we'll fine. Be all right. We'll be all right. We'll be okay. Where's my? I'm knocking on wood. I know. Hold on, I'm gonna sneeze again. Oh my god, <clears throat> All
1: right, are you ready? I'm I'm about to wrap this up.
0: Wrap her up, baby. Okay. This has been well f- truly the juiciest episode of Creep Time we have ever covered. I guarantee this is gonna be
1: a smash. I, I hope have. the creepers. I hope their patience with us, me getting the jean benet case ready, I'm raring to go for the finale has been... They'll understand hope they now. They'll understand. Yeah.
0: They're going to be like, I see um, why this took an extra week because <laughs> she did research a year's worth of research.
1: <laughs> I see why we had to teleport Scott Redmond instead. <laughs> and Scott, I just wanted that to happen for you anyways. Um, okay. Well, first, before I do my conclusion, mm-hmm. how are you feeling percentage-wise if I had to say to you, Silas, give me percentages on Ramses doing it either all of them one of them whoever or intruder how do you lean
0: you know what's crazy i thought by the end of this i would have an even more definitive feeling about this i am less concrete than when i started mm-hmm. i am genuinely less concrete than when i started i i still feel like percentage wise i'm leaning like 60 40 to the Ramses It just seems, I mean, we've talked about like the opportunistic element of the intruder, but again, that is us grasping for straws. If it is the Ramses, I'm stuck right now. Maybe you can answer to this. I'm stuck between, I've kind of ruled out John as being the main culprit here. I do think he was probably an accomplice if it was them, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I think it was solely Patsy or solely Burke. And then the whole family came together to conspire this story.
1: You know, I don't think, I don't think Burke did it. I just, I don't know why. I don't think he did. I don't think that, now listen, you know, it's weird. I, I was six years old. My older brother at one time was nine. We're the same age gap. And we honestly, growing up, did not have like the most amicable relationship I don't think my brother, even in his most, you know, enraged moments. And also, let me just pause. If you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I hate to even bring you into the realm. Um, our which one is it? Which I one?
0: I was like, can you? It's, I'll bleep it out. Tell me. <laughs> <it's, 'cause laughs> oh, okay. He's older
1: yeah. than me. Um, 1937. Literally. you were born. Oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I know. I know. Um but i don't think even in our most i mean we used to have like knockdown drag out fights sometimes i yeah. just don't think there's a world where burke took an object and would have had the violent tendency and that much force to truly like knock her like that like i just i don't know and i think that in the questioning that i watch from him he doesn't give me the feeling that he's a scared little boy that just committed a crime. He gives me the feeling that he knows Mm -hmm. something is wrong. He doesn't know what's wrong, really. He knows his sister's dead. And I do see, though, the potential for someone saying to him before he went in for questioning, Burke, if they bring up this word, don't talk about it. Like, I can see that being... A scenario but i mm-hmm. i don't like think don't like sell
0: like implicate yourself trying to explain how to uh, to a child how to not implicate yourself if you're innocent you know what i mean like don't give them so, motive to craft a story
1: i would almost say not even that in detail i think if you're talking to a child and you don't want them to say something just kind of be like i don't know either i like <laughs> trying to think about like manipulation tactics for a kid when you want them to do something but like you know, Burke, if they talk to you about pineapple, just tell them it's your favorite snack and that's all they need to know. Okay. Like strangers don't need to know more than they need to know. Like I could see a version of that happening. Um, yeah, I
0: I kind of agree with you in that, that I, I just don't know that I can believe that there's any child that has like a poker face to stand up to an adult Mm -hmm. in an interrogation, you know, like adults are, manipulative when they're in those settings especially with someone as impressionable as a child so i i just can't think of a scenario where like no matter how much coaching this kid could have had that he wouldn't have had a break at some point Mm -hmm. where he was like something slipped and then like that gave the interrogator a window where they're like well what do you mean you were awake so were you awake most of the night did you hear anything you know what i mean like they they're pretty Mm -hmm. good about like slipping that in i will say on the side of like Children with rage, I'm going to speak from my own experience, not mine, but, like, I've had cousins, I won't name them, um, an older brother, a younger sister, who I have seen, personally seen when I was growing up, like, severe violence, in fighting. Mm. And when I'm talking about mm-hmm. violence, I'm being, I'm using, like, objects were used, like, shovels, metal buckets, like, really mm-hmm. bad things that could, like, injure somebody or knock somebody out. I think I remember my mom telling me about, like, so, someone at work whose, like, children had a fight. Like, young kids, like, 10, they had a fight and they literally, like, broke a sink off a wall. Like, kids are crazy.
1: Like, yeah. No, it's 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 totally plausible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, I definitely can see, like, it seems shocking to visualize, like, that Burke could have had enough force to, like, hit his sister, but... It's possible a kid that's nine has has much more strength than a, a six year old and could do some pretty bad damage to somebody.
1: And I'll tell you again, the damn pineapple—it's just weird.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to explain to me. Like I, I said, I don't know that, how that to explain a, it. It's a little bit of a smoking
1: gun. I don't it's, know. It's it's weird because, like, out of all the things that the Ramses, like they will go toe to toe with anybody on like the story they've crafted. But every mm. interview I watched about the pineapple, they like kind of coil. Like they're kind of like, we did not feed Bonnet pineapple. And that's kind of like, but they're not as like uh, convicted about it, if that makes sense. They're just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. We already said we put her to bed. We didn't mm-hmm. give her pineapple. And it's like they could possibly be telling the truth. Saying they Mm -hmm. didn't give it to her, but that's not the whole truth. The whole truth might be, we didn't give her pineapple, but she got pineapple either from her brother or in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know? So we're
0: not lying. We're just using select words. Exactly. Well, if the pine, I kept thinking, I was like, if the pineapple was such like a liability and maybe they weren't thinking about this, but if. They thought it would be a liability. I'm surprised. Like it just sat on the counter for so long and nobody like tossed it out and like put the bowl in the sink, ran some water over it. I mean, that just. Who it's knows? the type
1: of thing to me that I think you don't think about in a moment of panic. And well, that's kind like, of why, why I feel you? like it's you know a smoking I mean? gun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're. OK, so if we're going with the theory that they that Burke did it and the parents helped cover it up, they did a pretty phenomenal job of staging this but the one thing that like I myself if I'm thinking okay I have to do all these things to make it look good and whatever the thing I wouldn't think about because it's not something I can see with my own eyes Mm -hmm. that my my kid has undigested food in their stomach that's just not something that anybody would think about unless they're you know
0: a forensic investigator a
1: forensic investigator a medical examiner,
0: us (laughs)
1: Yeah. Us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so joking. in a world I could I could I could see it, but I think my uh,
2: is
0: your gut going to bad so? I
1: think my gut I I hate saying it. I don't want to believe that mom would ever do this to their kid. I just don't. But I have to say this might come as a shock to you. I think I'm even more I'm like 70 30 with it. Like the intruder theory, I'm I want to believe it's so really? bad. No, no, no. I think I'm more Ramsey's 70, Intruder 30. Like I think... Oh,
0: gotcha, gotcha.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: I want to believe that the intruder theory could have happened, but I just think it would have... It really would have had to have been that they knew they were going to this Christmas dinner for a long time and that they got into the house because I just... I think that the content of the ransom note, the length of it, the fashioning of the garage, the, I'm trying to think of anything else that was already in the house. Um, But just all those things being readily available and accessible and it all Mm kind of worked out perfectly. That would have been just like, they would have had to have time on their side and like not have been worried about getting caught. And that just feels really improbable.
0: I agree. Well, this is also the assumption that we, I I think every time I think of the intruder theory, I think of the intruder coming in in the middle of the night and Mm -hmm. not maybe earlier in the evening while they're across the way at the neighbor's house and the house is unoccupied. It's very possible that that intruder could have literally been stalking the house and saw them leave to go to the neighbors with like their coats. They put the kids in the car, like they're going to be gone Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Gets inside the house possibly has like a little like roam around the house goes up to john benet's room looks through her drawers goes downstairs sees that pad of paper and thinks i'm gonna take her and get a ransom sees the check maybe like we were talking about like it, mm-hmm. it gives more of a way to like that opportunistic intruder thing where like he's like i'm gonna sneak in hide in the basement mm-hmm. um so i can like get her or maybe he just thought he would sneak into like I don't know, grab underwear, or do something creepy in her room, Yeah, you know, but then saw an opportunity where he was like, no, when they come back, I can capture her in the middle of the night mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. hold
0: her for ransom. And then it went horribly wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what the Ramses think. They think that this person had been stalking and, you know, was either obsessed with Jean Bonnet or whatever, and that they knew that they were going to get into the house when they weren't there. And then during that time of waiting, waiting, waiting. For them to come home and waiting for Jean Bonnet to be home, they kind of had the opportunity to come up with a plan B in case things, you know, mm-hmm. didn't go their way, that they could write a ransom note or fashion a murder weapon in case it was necessary or they wanted to end up killing Jean Bonnet. Um,
0: was there ever any additional DNA? I mean, I'm sure there was from, like, other people. But was there any DNA that was found, like, on the body, near the body, in that little, like, wine cellar area that was not from the Ramses? There was. I, I remember something yes. being on her underwear. And that was odd to me.
1: Well, there was definitely the DNA in her underwear that's, like, not the semen. But they, there's DNA that was not John's or uh, Burke's or... Oh, my Cassius God. It's,
0: it's coming back to me. Okay. I remember oh, this now. The DNA that was found... On her underwear, they were able to determine it did not belong to any of the Ramseys. It wasn't Burke's, wasn't Patsy's, yeah. wasn't John's. But I think they were able to deduce from the actual structure of the DNA that it most likely belonged to an Asian male. Mm, so that okay. that that was an odd part of the case. And a lot of people were saying, well, it wasn't like seminal DNA. So it's very possible it could have just been DNA from like actual manufacturing if the underwear was like made in China. Yes. I read that, that DNA but I kept thinking to myself I have never especially when I was a little kid like you would never just like rip underwear out of the package and like start wearing it usually like unless maybe it was like underwear that, I don't know maybe you would it was maybe if it was on like new underwear that was given as like a part of a Christmas gift because people give like clothes even though like kids don't want clothes people yeah. like gift clothes so that's possible I guess but Usually you wash, like, underwear before, like, you put it on. Like, you just throw you yeah. just throw the whole thing in the wash.
1: Yeah. I think that, in addition, there was, if I'm remembering correctly, a uh, print on the door of the wine cellar that was not a full, they couldn't get, like, a full capture of it.
0: And it wasn't mapped back to anybody who was. uh uh-uh. No, that's pretty, that's really. Yeah pretty compelling to me too, actually. Stu, I am thrown. I'm, I'm I know. <laughs> tossed. I know. <laughs>
1: like, well, let me, let me wrap it. Let me wrap it. Here we go. Go. Girl. go. So to this day, the murder of six year old John Bonet, Patricia Ramsey, a little girl who was described as spunky, fun, loving, a bright light has still never seen justice for the heinous crime committed against her. I don't really even know how to like act adequately wrap this case up because I think it's a little bit different than, you know, when I did Zodiac with you because mm. that case was so well, there were so many suspects that were ruled out and was found to be inconclusive. And I think also it was just so long ago that it feels a little bit easier to digest. But with Jean Bonet, there is something so haunting about the close proximity of, I think, our own ages to her now, like if she were still alive, yeah, the glamour shots passed around by the media, like us both being performers in the past, like I'm not quite sure why it hits me so hard. Um, but I did want to close this out with a quote from Nancy Grace, and I really am bringing this quote up because I know that we laugh and we say that Nancy can like pack a punch with her sensationalism, but I think... She put it very well when it comes to understanding why this case is such an intense one for many people. She said, "Quote, because of the amount of pictures and videos of Jean Benet, the public got to see her over and over again. They believe they knew her. They became familiar with her. They think they know Jean Benet, and therefore we feel her loss even more deeply."
0: That's a really good and, quote. That's very true.
1: Wow. And that that was a tr- that was a piece of wisdom from Miss Nancy Grace on this case. And I I agree with her. I think she can be kind of you know uh, all over the place. But I, when I heard her say that, I was like, yeah, that is what it is. We all think we know her.
0: Oh, I mean, listen, and I'm the ranches and everybody. Yeah, I'm never for a second going to doubt that. Like Nancy's coming through with the wisdom.
1: Yeah, she's a straight shooter. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, I guess that, that's a really good point, is that so much of it has been like immortalized in the images that already existed of John JonBenet, and then like all the interviews with the parents that people love to scrutinize, but also the TV movies, the documentaries. I mean, we've seen—it's why people keep revisiting this case. It's why people will listen to this case, honestly, like 20-plus years after the fact. It's because we keep reliving the same imagery, because the story— is disrupted somewhere in the middle. It doesn't make sense, no matter how many times we we replay the movie in our heads. That's mm-hmm. what makes it feel unnerving, and why we're like, like our instinct is to solve. Everybody's instinct is to solve the problem. This case is the problem, and has been. Mm. And I don't. I just like don't know if we're ever going to have an answer to it. But I feel very educated on that case after the suit that. Everyone, give a damn round of applause for that research because that was something off the charts, mama.
1: It's all for my creepers and also for you, baby.
0: (laughs) Uh, That was amazing.
1: (laughs) That was incredible. We we can't not give it for Jean Bonnet. We gotta, you gotta really send it with this case because to not is like such a disservice, I feel like. So,
0: you said this since day one. You were like, we're gonna have to do an episode, and you were like, I'm gonna have to lead it. Meaning you. And you were like, and it's going to be Jean Benet. (laughs) And I was
1: like, like, it's going to be three hours long. (laughs) (laughs) This is, wait, this
0: is so exciting though, because like, they're going to love
1: it. (laughs) Creepers. Hopefully you've got a long car ride. Can I say one thing that just popped into my mind? Speaking of three hours. Creepers, this is what I want you to know about Silas and what a great friend he is. There was one time where (laughs) you were on the phone with me. My entire drive back from, I think I was doing my first leg moving out of New York during COVID back to my parents. And you stayed on the phone with me for three and a half hours while I drove a U-Haul. Oh,
0: baby. I was happy to. Do you know how <laughs> was, wonderful that was? I love was nothing more than talking the on the phone.
1: <laughs> it's one of my favorite memories. Like we, I feel like we covered so much on that phone call, but honestly, I was, it was Because we had recently come off that tour. I was back in a truck. It was COVID. (laughs) And I just. It was early in the morning too. I remember it was, it was. And I remember calling my parents going, you're never going to believe this. But Silas was on the phone with me for three and a half hours. Like what friend does that? Because I was like freaking bored and I was trying to. So
0: three and a half hours
1: ain't, ain't nothing to you. I know that.
0: It ain't, it ain't a thing. I promise you. (laughs) It ain't a thing. I used to say on the phone when I was younger, I would say on the phone, I kid you not, when I was in like high school, like talking to guys and stuff, I would say on the phone for like eight hours sometimes. I would do three-way calls, (laughs) three-way calls that we would start at like 9 p.m. We would end at like 3 a.m. with me and my friends. We just (laughs) couldn't shut the hell up.
1: That's amazing. But baby, you were
0: driving. I didn't want you to get sleepy behind the wheel because I drove across the country. So I know what that's like to like drive yeah. for a long stretch and like you need somebody to be chatting.
1: Yeah. Oh, but it was the best.
0: you actually said something to me. I don't know if you remember this on that phone call, which was like the very first time that I actually thought about us one day having like a podcast. I think I thought of like an interview <laughs> like scenario yeah. for some reason, but I guess a podcast was what I was thinking of. We were, like, just trading stories back and forth, and you, like, were cracking up in the middle of it. You just said, you're, like, such a good storyteller. And that was when it, like, dinged in my mind where I was like, huh, it'd be funny if we could, like, do this one day, like, tell stories.
1: (laughs) I actually remember saying that to you. Funny enough, I remember saying that to you because I was, I think I was shocked at how long you had captured my attention. (laughs) (laughs) It was just the way you were telling it. I was not like compelled. I was on the edge of my seat, <laughs> probably for some story like about high school or tour or something. But like, I actually remember saying that. That's so funny.
0: Yeah, I. It's like the the one big thing I remember from that conversation because that was like a lot. I was driving too. I got in my car because I was like, "Oh, you're on the road. Yeah. I'm gonna go on the road too." I remember I said, that. Let me I get a McGriddle.
1: That. Yes. Oh my god. And baby, next week, we get to do it all again. (laughs) Baby, next (laughs) week. In person.
0: (sighs) Oh, God. The season recap is going to be off the charts, babe. Like, Oh, my
1: God. I'm so excited. uh,
0: Creepers, if you're ready to like after this, I know you're going to like eat this episode up. But next week, we're going to do our season recap, which is going to just be a little like a little like bow wow we're just like chatting about like every single episode we've covered one through 50 and like all the fun like quotes all the stories cases that are still like gnawing at us i know missy beavers just came back into like mm-hmm. the stratosphere <laughs> but i can't wait for it Stu, this was incredible
1: oh, great oh thanks for sitting through it with me and um i'll see you next week <laughs> <Bye>! <laughs> best finale ever Bye, creepers.
2: Bye, r- goodbye, <laughs> and good luck, honey.
1: Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>